Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Here from Dallas, Texas, I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM 600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. 550-5500 over to text in this afternoon. It has been an unbelievable day out here in Dallas at CPAC 2022. And I just wanted to go ahead and uh, give everybody a taste of what's going on. We have Dad Muska directly in studio, and uh, or he's actually uh, broadcasting from across the, the city. And uh, Dowd, it's uh, a whole host of a uh, number of talkers. Uh, and it's been a very busy day. We've had Sean Hannity. He just went off with Ben Carson. I mean, it has uh, been wall-to-wall. We have Victor uh, uh, Orman, who is the Prime Minister of Hungary, who is here. I mean, it has been an unbelievable uh, slate of events. We've got uh, uh, another uh, talk show host that I interviewed as well, the voice of Houston, Texas, Chris X, who is up, has to be on live now. So we've got a whole series of interviews uh, that I've done to sort of kick things off. And CPAC's doing it in big style with a big star-spangled banner that was actually sung nicely. So I just wanted to say, Hello to uh, D. Dowd Muska there in the studio. How are you today, Dowd? Uh, probably not having as much fun as you are, Mr. Aragon. You, uh, the energy level in your voice is uh, very palpable, even for an Asperger's boy like me to, to, to pick up on. Uh, you are having too much fun out there. Oh, it's a party out, uh, out here for sure. So I'm hoping that uh, you guys all get a taste of that. We've got uh, eight different pieces all uh, lining up here for you. So we're going to kick it off right there, right now. Straight through, so you get all the flavor of CPAC 2022. It'll be a wall-to-wall coverage, so uh, Dowd and I might pop on together during the uh, third hour here this afternoon. But here's how all the festivities started uh, just a few hours ago uh, here in uh, Dallas, CPAC 2022. Take a listen to all the wonderful interviews uh, that I have. And the rockets 
RocketTalk.com here with Deontay Johnson. He is the president for Black Conservatives for Trump. And he Black Conservative Federation. Black Conservative Federation. And Deontay, thanks for being here. Uh, you just saw the president last week, and you're looking forward to seeing him here. Tell us a little bit about your organization, uh, what you guys do, and uh, your presence nationally. Uh, the Black Conservative Federation is a national organization. We bring conservative values into non-conservative communities. But we also focus on making sure that we let people know that the conservative movement is the movement for black America. It's the movement that our grands that our grandparents has long been a part of. They may not vote conservative, but they live very conservative lives. I've always telling people, you always know who a black conservative is by the teachings of their grandparents. Because it's listen, right. our grandparents they were conservative. Right. They believed in free uh, they believed in free enterprise. They believed in limited right. government. They believed in uh, the Second Amendment. They believed in the First Amendment. And listen, believe it or not, they were very, very, very pro-life. And How so you build those big we're families. conservatives. I mean, uh, if we talk about minorities. I'm a minority. You're a minority. But we don't talk of ourselves in terms of minority. We just talk about ourselves amongst our principles, our values, the things that we all do. How else could we have built up the strength that we've had at this generation if we didn't have it before? And it's all based upon our values. So I hear what you're saying. It's absolutely awesome. And I love to hear those uh, conservative uh, values. Practice. So go ahead and turn your earphones on. It's loud here. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of people here. I mean, we're just ramping up getting started here on this Thursday. But I got to tell you, uh, I like the presence that's here. And I'm glad that you're here. So tell us a little bit about what you did during the 2020 campaign and prior to, because uh, you've been working hand in hand with uh, President yeah, yes, and I served as a Black Voices for Trump advisory board member. We traveled to all of the targeted states stomping for the president. Listen, our model was this. The Black vote is up for grabs, and we're going to grab it. And it was an amazing insight because we got to hear stories from all over. We got to hear people say, listen, this is a paycheck president. My bank account is looking good. My, I'm able to take trips. I'm able to travel three times. We're able to not have to work two jobs. Right. And then in 2021, 20, right. <laughs> we now have to replace working two jobs with working four jobs right. and still having some side hustles. It's just crazy. Right. Uh, you know, Deontay, uh, we hear you loud and clear. We know what the economy is like. We now see Walmart has shed 500 jobs. Uh, we've got an additional job. And that's just the beginning of the uh, sticks beginning. and bricks that are starting to lay off of the startups and uh, the other tech companies that are out there. They've been laying off people throughout 2022. And this is post-pandemic. This is after the COVID shutdown. So it doesn't seem like that that should be happening. And I love what you say, a paycheck president. The paycheck I mean, president. That's perfect. But, you know, I, I have no sympathy for the tech companies because they, this, they caused this. Right. They supported Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. They supported this. They've asked for this. And so, listen, every time I hear a Democrat complain about the gas prices, I say, well, listen here, you voted for this. You voted for gas prices. You voted for the economy to be where it is. You voted for 
you know, our schools to be the way that they are? Well, we know exactly the way that they want the schools. We're now changing the uh, critical race theory, and, you know, that is so prevalent right now. Rewriting the textbooks, the things that people are doing to brainwash our next generation. And I know that you're with Black Voices for Trump and the Black Conservative Federation. Are, Are you a father? I'm not a father, but I'm an uncle. Bring your children or your, you know, nieces, nephews, and various other, you know, into the public school system. It's an indoctrination that's now taking place. Yes. Orienting, changing their calendar. I think that's the biggest thing. We see what's happening right now as your actual calendar. And they're removing Christian holidays. You know, that's where, you know, I come from. Things like St. Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, We're moving Mother and Father's Day. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, how they are reorienting uh, our next generation and they're starting right now what are we as conservatives and as uh, one of the black voices for Trump and talking to President Trump where is Donald Trump on that and where is the black community the conservative black community on those issues listen I'll say you this is you know and people say well the Republicans want to get rid of history and uh, in 20 uh, 2021 I worked on Governor Glenn Youngkin's campaign okay. managed Thank his you. black outreach. Big, big win. Big win. And one thing we learned was parents' voices is matter. And when parents are upset, we will win. Right. But this is the thing when it comes to the critical race theory article. Listen, we need to teach the good and the bad but emphasize the good. And what I mean by that is, yes, we have made mistakes as a country. There's been some bumps in the road, but each day is a day for redemption. America every day has gotten better. And that's what's important. Yeah, we've been moving forward, but the liberals and the progressives are moving backwards. We can't go back. And my message to black Americans who want to constantly talk about the past is listen the one of the reasons you have the why the the front the windshield is bigger than the window in the back of the car right. is because you need more space to look forward. Right. Okay? It's that way for a reason. It. We can't spend time looking back. We have to move forward. We have to say, listen, this happened. I'm going to use this as fuel to do better. Let's talk about the Republican Party. All right. So, um, and by the way, folks, we're here with Deontay Johnson, Black Voices for Trump, Black Conservative Federation. Deontay, how can people get in, in touch with you and your organization? You can visit us at bcfaction.com. You can visit us at BCF Official um, on Twitter. You can key in Black Conservative Federation on Instagram if you want to follow me, um, BCF President on Twitter, and Deontay. Johnson on Instagram and listen we're always looking to get more people involved white black Latino because this is a movement okay this isn't just temporary is that we are getting ready to change the scenery in America but in order to do that we need all hands on deck let's talk for a moment about the start of the Republican Party Mm -hmm. the first nine congressmen who were black that went to Washington, D.C. were black congressmen that were registered with the Republican Party. 
And one of the things that we have a problem with is branding the Republican Party and making it sure it seems like it's not racist. We don't have a racist past. In fact, the Republican Party was started to be an anti-slavery party. Correct. Where is that message? How can we as conservatives and Republicans get that out? What are your thoughts on that? So at the Black Conservative Federation, we have two rules of engagement. The first rule of engagement is we have to be able to engage without enraging. Okay? Okay. That's the first thing. But the second thing is we have to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. Okay, it's not hard. We have to remember that as as politicals, as messengers, what we're doing is we're trying to get people to join our rank. And in order to do that, we can't burn down the bridge before they have the chance to cross it. And that's where we talk about messaging. Messaging is a major component to bringing people to our side. Absolutely. How likable are we as conservatives going into the 2022 midterm elections? And I know a lot of people are talking about a lot of different things. You know, they're talking about how it's going to be a red wave. And we know how the hubris uh, destroyed Hillary Clinton back in 2016. The overconfidence, we're not working for every vote, we expect to win. Uh, we can't really uh, rest on our laurels because we also know that they cheat at the ballot box. But going into 2022, how do you feel about it? And how are the black, or how is the black community going to go ahead and turn out in 2022 with all this propaganda, especially hitting the biggest cities uh, here in this country? I'm feeling confident. Okay. Uh, but I'm not overconfident. We're going to have to work. We're going to have to work in some places like Virginia 7 with Abigail Spanberger and Yasley Vega, who's going to be speaking here. We're going to have to work in Michigan's 3rd District with Robert Gibbs running against the, the Democratic establishment. Okay, so we're going to have to work. But what happens is, is that people say, you know, I don't like the Republican messages, but you know what? It's working for the economy. I don't hey, like what the Republicans like say, but it's making you know my life better. Right. So I rather mean tweets than pay ten dollars for gas. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell you the other thing too that's a real big problem is obviously the number one issue for all of us, you, me, and every American, regardless of color, race, creed, whatever is inflation. Our money is uh, disappearing right in our pockets. It's quicksand, and uh, that's got to be the biggest issue out there. For people who are dependent upon the government, don't make much money, are on the lower end of things. So how do we speak to them? How do we reach them? Well, listen, all we got to do is keep sending them to the grocery store. I'll tell you this. <laughs> uh, exactly listen, right. I'm... <laughs> yeah, good, good one. I love that. Listen, I... <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble for this from my team, but I'm black and I love chicken. I love fried chicken. Okay. Okay. And when you go buy a pack of chicken wings, it's $25. It's all that. So all we have to do is keep sending them to the grocery store, keep sending them to get gas, keep sending them to all across the country and looking at plane tickets and hotel prices. Just tell them to keep living because what we're seeing now is only going to get worse. And believe it or not, there's still two more years of this. I know. Well, 
maybe not. I mean, the man has got COVID twice. I think there's been, uh, you know, a 32, 33 percent approval rating. And uh, a lot of Democrats don't have very much confidence in him. Uh, we impeached President Trump twice. I can't believe I'm actually saying that, but we impeached him twice. He still hung in there all the way uh, to the very end. Uh, he doesn't uh, one-tenth of the man that Donald Trump is, I got to tell you. So there may, may not be two years uh, for that. And, uh, well, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but I'd rather him than his VP. Yeah. So that's something. Deontay Johnson, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you? They can visit us, uh, like I said, at our website at bcfaction.com. Key us in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Black Conservative Federation. Join the team. Um, figure out how you can get involved. And always, we need donations. We need to make sure that we're continuing to spread the message across the country. Excellent. Thank you, Deontay. Thanks Thank for you. the time here at CPAC in Dallas. Back after a quick break here in the Kiva. AM 600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. I'm Eddie Yard on the Rock of Talk here at CPAC 2022 with the Convention of States President Mark Meckler. I get his emails every single day, and now the man in the flesh sitting here at the most important conservative convention on possibly one of the most important weekends uh, this year. A lot of things happening, uh, Mark, and I'm going to let you take it away to tell everybody in our audience, you know, with the hope of Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, all these types of things about the Convention of States, why they should care about it and how states can take back the power uh, for themselves. Mark, how are you today? I am fantastic. I agree with you how important it is to be here right now and for the convention of states to be here. You know, when, when you look at Washington, D.C., you know it's broken. Everybody knows it's broken. And so what we do is we work to elect good people, right? And we do that. A lot of good people who go to D.C. and they become part of the swamp and we lose them. And we wonder why and what else we can do. And what we can do is rebuild the structure. The structure has been broken over the past 115 years. The only way to fix it is to call a convention of states. Article 5 gives us power to gather estates, propose amendments, and then put those amendments out to the states specifically to take power away from D.C., give it back to the people. And that's what we're doing. And this actually has to go through our state legislature. Now, as you know, our state is very blue, but it doesn't mean that you your work hasn't been recognized. I believe that it's been introduced at least two, maybe three times on the floor of our New Mexico state legislature. Um, we have a small but budding group of strong conservatives. We're trying to help push this through. And what might that mean for a state like New Mexico? You know, as you know, we have a lot of graph that comes from uh, the federal government you know, at our federal database or federal uh, Air Force Base, uh, Kirtland Air Force Base. We, of course, got Los Alamos National Lab, home of the bomb. And then all of a sudden, you got 36% of our employees are employed by state, local, federal. And they kind of like the government control. But there's a lot of other people who just love freedom and love the government stay out of the way. That's what Convention of the State is all about. So tell us how that mechanism could work and what people can do on the ground here in Albuquerque to uh, get things going. Yeah, so specifically in a state like New Mexico, I think there's a misimpression. This doesn't mean that the federal money stops. Okay. It means that it's up to the state how to spend the money. Okay. So whether Democrats are in control or Republicans are in control, we want local people to be in control. We want who you elect to be in control. We don't want somebody from New York telling Albuquerque what to do. So I think this is equally applicable whether your state's blue or red. And I'd say specifically 
I know your state pretty well. I wouldn't write it off. <laughs> you know, I, people, oh, New Mexico is blue. It is right now. Right. But I don't think that's necessarily the case over the long haul. Well, on the flip side of things, and uh, on the other side, not conservative. So we hear a lot of, oh, you can't tell a woman what to do with her body. And so, you know, by and large, they wouldn't want the federal government encroaching on that. So very likely that'd be an interesting sort of marriage there, if you will. But those are the types of people who would be also advocating for the conventional states, more local control. All politics uh, should be local, and that's exactly what the convention state's all about. Really quickly, yeah. how do people get involved? What can they do? You have a local chapter. You have boots on the ground here in Albuquerque. How do people get involved? Go to conventionofstates.com. First thing, sign the petition. Let your legislator know that you believe in a convention of states. Second, click the take action tab. That's what really connects you to the team. Volunteer, get involved. Look, because you and I, we can do our part, but it's going to take your listeners to save the state and save the country. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's uh, what we do know is always the power in the citizens. I mean, think about the very founders of this country. And now we've got two camps, and I think that's the biggest uh, part. You say that we are witnessing the great decoupling of America. Tell us about that. Yeah, so America's coming apart. I think all of us would agree, and the left, the right, Democrat, Republican, straight, gay, you name it, atheist, Christian. So We're also divided. We're so we're divided. ourselves. Right. It's always been this way, Eddie. And I think this is the most important thing that people forget. When, at the founding of the country, the colonies hated each other, but they bound together, they put their arms together because there was an existential threat. We still have those existential threats in the world. China, Russia, Islamo-fascism. So we have to figure out how to get along. There's only one way. It's called federalism. Let New Mexico be New Mexico. California, New York, Texas, we're different. So let the country be different. We'll do a few things together federally, but the rest of it, we put it back out. We go to federalism. That's how we get along and save the country. Looks like you've got 5 million volunteers and growing that are uh, becoming a part of the Convention of States. But you need 34 states to ratify yeah. to go ahead and call this. Tell us how that works. Give us a little civics lesson on this. This is something that is uh, right in our Constitution. Yeah, most people don't know about it because we've never used it. The only way we've ever amended the Constitution is Congress proposes the amendments and then the states ratify. But we have the power of states when two-thirds of the states decided to get together to have a convention to propose amendments, specifically to restrain federal tyranny. And so that's the process is when 34 states call. So far, 19 states have done. So we're well past the halfway mark. When 15 more states call, we'll get in convention. If a majority of states agree on a proposed amendment, then it goes out to the states for ratification by 38 states. Now you're getting attacked. You're getting attacked by CNN. You're attacked by MSNBC must mean that you're over the target mark. <laughs> you and your group are doing the hard work, the yeoman's work. I mean, we're here at the biggest conservative party in the country and glad to be here, but it's not such a party out there for you when you're by yourself, isolated, and you know, there's these big behemoth media companies start coming after you. And uh, they're saying that you're part of the Trump Republican scheme to dismantle the Constitution. <laughs> 
Constitution. This is in the Constitution, Mark. Uh, tell us why they're wrong and uh, what are you doing to battle that? Yeah, I mean, the scheme we're involved in is to use the Constitution to save the Constitution. So, And it has nothing to do with Trump. Trump's never spoken on this subject. We'd welcome his support if he wanted to. You never know with Trump. He could tweet about it tomorrow, right? Uh, but if you look at the conservative movement, it's literally every nationally known conservative who's spoken on the subject has spoken in support of it. And the flip side is every radical leftist, Marxist, baby-killing, America-hating group in the country has spoken out against it, over 250 of them. So the dividing line is clear for people who love America. They're ready for a convention of states. People who hate America, not so much. Drain the swamp. That's what you're about. You're saying the same thing that Donald Trump was saying. Yeah. You actually are picking it up uh, right from there, but you've been saying drain the swamp for a long time. If we could paraphrase what the uh, Convention of States really is, that's that's what it is. Yeah, I agree with that. So tell us uh, what people can do. Obviously, call it legislators, but how can we also put the word out? How else can we get in, uh, involved? How can we donate? Uh, how can we get you what you Yeah, need? I think the main thing is pretty simple. Go to the website. Go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition. But the main thing is click the take action tab and volunteer. I think there's too many people, conservatives, who sit on the sideline, yell at the TV. They treat it more like a sport and their club is the red club. The reality is... We need you on the playing field. So click the Take Action tab and volunteer and actually do something. All right, so I'm going to get loose here just for a couple yeah, minutes go. here. And I appreciate you taking the time. And you're talking to a uh, group of about 1.1 million people who tune in in our MSA uh, to talk about politics every single day. And these are people who are deeply knowledgeable about what's happening all the time. And unfortunately, that only marks up about 2 to 3% of the overall population. So we've got our 2022 midterm elections, and there's a lot of hubris, I think. A little overconfident. Absolutely. We're going to go ahead and, I don't know, turn it red, the red wave. Tell us about your thoughts about the midterm elections 2022 and maybe why that that is the case. I mean, we cannot trust these elections, Mark. I know you probably are as concerned as I am. I'm constantly on offense because I think that it's never good enough. Heck, I thought we had 2021 with yeah. nearly 80 million votes. I mean, uh, the Trump got 10 and a half million, uh, million more votes than he did uh, the, the previous election. It makes no sense to me. Tell me about the midterms in 2022. What's so obviously I'm concerned about election integrity. I will say I'm in the camp of people who believe or way better now than we were in 2020. Last time I looked, 18 states have passed 33 different election integrity bills. Some of them great, some of them not so great, but we're better off. More people paying attention to election integrity. So I'm never in the camp of, oh, just give up. I'm in the camp of go to war every single day. I agree with you about the red wave. I would actually have said a few months ago, absolutely the red wave is coming. I'm concerned post I think the left has gotten some of their energy back. And so what that means is you and I and people like of us double down, triple down. I mean, literally, this is the time to work as hard as you've ever worked in politics. And I think the opportunity is still there. One of the big reasons that I think the opportunity is there, I poll every week on a variety of issues. And I've seen, seen something incredible in this election. It's in the Hispanic community. And what I've seen, 
widely reported it was about they don't like Biden. But what most people don't know is on every single issue, they're moving to the right. So they're paying attention and they're realizing, wait, we're not really Democrats. We're really conservatives. They've been Democrat because historically their families were Democrat. It's very strong in the Hispanic community. And now they're saying, but we're pro-family, we're anti-inflation, we're pro-jobs, we're pro-border security. They're looking at the issues. So I think that's the most fundamental piece of this election. Right now, 24% of Hispanics say they're in support of Joe Biden. That's less than the white population. It's utterly (laughs) extraordinary. Yeah, you bring up a good point. It's a theme that I'm seeing here all over the place. And a lot of people are talking. We, of course, have uh, uh, two women who are running for Congress, and they're in the Rio Grande Valley. They were born in Mexico. Um, And I can tell you right now, the Democrats have moved so far to the left right now that they've left the door open for Hispanics to get back uh, politically, even though they've always been there uh, familially uh, with their families to go ahead and grow them. And when you're challenging pronouns and when you're talking about, you know, gender transformation, all these things, these are things that don't compute. And of course, leaving God out of the system, you know, is really bad. Now, uh, I want to say one last thing. You have a family. You have uh, a couple of kids. I do. Uh, Yeah. Tell us about uh, the family that you've raised. Got to be very proud of uh, a Semper Fidelis as well as your daughter, who I believe is involved with your group. Yeah. So I am like any dad, really proud of my kids. All credit to God and my wife and not me. (laughs) I've been married 29 years. Uh, Patty's my wife. She works with the organization too. Jacob, my son, went and joined the Marine Corps when he was 18 years old. Best decision he ever made. Came out full ride to George Mason to their law school. Just graduated from law school. Yeah, you got it. And now, well, they may have to change that name, right? It's offensive or something, the colonial. (laughs) So he graduated from law school. He went to work for America First Legal. That's Stephen Miller's organization. All he does every day, wake up and sue the Biden administration. Hey, so a fighter I've ever seen So I'm not sure what I'm more more proud of is he was a Marine, is a Marine, or that he's suing the Biden administration. I like both of those things. Well, you, you know the uh, laptop was turned in at the FBI office in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I didn't know that. And I've been on the front lines of uh, uncovering you know, the connections between Hunter Biden, Bill Richardson, a company called BGK, and you know, we could talk about that. Yeah. Time. My son would like to talk to you uh, about you that, for sure. I will, for sure. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've been coming to a CPAC for a long time. Yep. And uh, are you looking forward to a great weekend? I am looking forward to a great weekend. Uh, Hannity, I love watching Hannity speak. So everybody who's going to be on the stage is going to be incredible. Well, congratulations on uh, the work that you've done. And, Thank uh, you. We're going to be pulling for you, and we're going to get you some money so we can get that organization and get the Convention of States passed in New Mexico, hopefully uh, here in this decade. And we'll see you in Albuquerque. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, hey, Mark. Pleasure. AM 1600KIBABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. We're running into all sorts of people here at CPAC. In fact, I was just watching uh, Victor, uh, the Prime Minister of Hungary. Boy, what a, uh, and, and I'll tell you, he's a fighter. Kurt Schlichter with a brand new book, The Fall and Rise of America. Now, not the rise and fall of America, folks. The Fall and Rise, uh, available on hardcover, but also available wherever you pick up your books. Even, heck, the audio and audiobook, you can pick it up there as well. Kurt Schlichter joins me right here at CPEC. Kurt, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, how many times have you been coming to CPEC? Oh, my gosh. 
This is probably my 10th or 11th. Yeah. Good turnout here in Texas? Yeah, it looks good. It's good. I, I love it because I live out in California. Oh, yeah. And I'm, you know, this is where I see all the folks. Right. So this is where I hang out with the conservatives because there are literally no conservatives in Los Angeles. So. Yeah. Well, did you follow Elon Musk here or? Elon SpaceX is right around the corner from where I am. Um, you know, I may end up here. I may end up in Florida. I may end up staying in California. Who knows? Yeah, Texas is a great place, and you're writing about conservatives and writing about this country, and we need it now more than ever. It's hard to say what exactly happened in 2020. We're still arguing about that. Well, I was lawyering in uh, Las Vegas. In the okay. aftermath of that, with uh, Matt Schlapp, who okay. runs CPAC, right. and uh, Adam Laxalt, who's running for Senate. Son and of uh, Pete Domenici from our great state. Uh, that's, of course, uh, a good story, I think. Nice. I think it looks really good for him moving forward. Yeah, I think he's going to do very well. He's hardest working guy. Yeah. I mean, it's great. So I'm All excited. I agree, but I know Vegas and, you know, what's happened in Nevada, what happened in Wisconsin. And then, of course, we saw a little bit earlier in the week, you know, Carrie Lake. Uh, she's claimed victory, 150,000 yep. votes hanging out there, 63,000 in Penal County. I mean, these are things that have to be litigated. Hard to believe that we're at that point. But, well, Kurt, you write about these things uh, in your book? Yes, I do. I talk a lot about it. I talk about the election issues and what we have to do, which is we have to solve these problems before they actually occur. And that's something that the Republicans haven't been very good at. I got to Las Vegas uh, about 24 hours after the election, okay. and we knew there were problems. I show up. There's one Republican lawyer there, one, in one of the big six urban areas that was controversial. And you don't win that way. You don't win election challenges. Exactly. First of all, you don't win election challenges, okay? Right. You fight out for correct processes beforehand, right? Uh, much beforehand. And the Republicans didn't do that. We really walked into a buzzsaw. Are we doing that now? Do you? How is your satisfaction? I'm not entirely convinced. Look, if I was Rona McDaniel, and I couldn't be because she's related to Mitt Romney, and I wouldn't tolerate that. <laughs> Uh, I would be uh, implementing a program. I'd be having my lawyers at work uh, filing lawsuits to make sure election procedures were tight, to make sure the rules were not changed. Uh, and then I'd be telling every Republican who would listen what I'm doing because you talk to voters. They're very concerned about electoral yeah, security. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they think, well, I, uh, if I vote, it won't count. Right. They'll just cheat it away, which is not necessarily true, right. uh, but can be in certain places. Now, we've spent $52 million in our state on the Dominion voting machine. The head of all the secretaries of state is a woman by the name of Maggie Toulouse Oliver. Uh, we know that they cheat at the polls. We know that it's not fair. Heck, if you go back to Las Vegas, you look at Acorn, where Obama started. You saw what happened with that whole group here. And we're going, we're just within 100 days. We're really in striking distance. And you think we haven't done enough. And we're trying to encourage people to go to the polls. So... What does the midterm look like for you? You talk to Matt and Mercedes. They're running a great organization. Yep. It's a lot of rah-rah, a lot of good people here, a lot of energy. And I've been telling everybody it's not going to be a red wave because we can't trust what's going to happen. We have to go even after the fact. And whether it's Wisconsin, New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, we've got to push even harder. So what are you doing right now? to go ahead and, and help the Republicans. Well, look, I, 
I think I think what the Republicans need to do is, like I said, get the legal forces out there. But we have to remember, it's very hard to cheat past a small margin. Okay, if the election's tight, and even if you believe the left, the 2020 election was determined by about 43,000 votes over three states. That's razor thin. And that's the only time you can really cheat. It's hard to cheat with 10,000 votes. It's easy to cheat with 100. So you've got to, look, we have to run up the score. And I think our secret weapon is the Democrats themselves. You look at what they're doing between gas prices, uh, CRT, this bizarre gender idiocy, uh, endless wars. They're really helping us out. I would love to be able to say the Republicans are going to win this election. I think that's it will end up, but I, I, I think a better characterization is the Democrats are going to lose it. And we can't rely on the other side sucking. Yeah. Okay, that doesn't work. Exactly. We've got to show, and I think Donald Trump did because the economy was booming. Uh, he made the mistake of going along with a lot of the COVID idiocy. Yeah. He should have done more what Ron DeSantis you, did. You are a rare uh, Republican who actually says that, but I'm finding more and more people are saying that now, and where has he been for the last year and a half uh, when it came out to battling back? I mean, he's telling people to get back, but that's a whole other issue. I got to hit you on this, and I think this is important because the election shifted. Well, you and I went, you probably didn't go to sleep, but people were going to sleep, and all of a sudden we found these votes in Michigan, yeah. we found these votes in, in Wisconsin, and then we saw what happened in Georgia. So you said we, the hundred, or, you know, we got to beat them and beat them well. We've got the issues, but how do we prevent that from happening? That early voting? Well, look. We found those uh, votes that got mailed in. Look, uh, in Georgia, Brian Kemp put in some very tough electoral reforms. You could okay. tell they were tough because the Democrats were screaming like we kicked them in the family jewels, which we kind of did. Um, you also have to uh, make sure you've got observers on the ground and that they have access. And that's one of the things you want to litigate early. You want to have a judge with an order saying, I get to watch you count and I get to film you counting. We tried to do that in Philadelphia. What ended up happening in Philadelphia? They ended up pushing our uh, cameras away. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a federal judge saying, no, they get to do these things, then they have a problem. All right. You are helping the people in New Mexico so much right now when you're saying these things that we can do preventatively because they're trying to implement that right now. A lot yeah. of poll watchers for the very first time. I happened to run for office for mayor uh-huh. and the first thing I did is said we need poll watchers and this is election. And, and we, we should have poll watchers even if there's no plan, you know, expected cheating because you want to verify it's an open and transparent process. The thing is right now if something goes wrong in an election Normal people are going to go cheating, where in reality it might just be normal screw-ups by government. But if they don't have the faith, that's very dangerous. That's dangerous in a a democratic republic like ours. We need to have confidence, and confidence comes from transparency. One of the most important things is we've got to be able to lose. Right. If you can't lose, if one side can't lose an election without being convinced that it was a ripoff, right? 
then you don't have an operating democratic republic. And right now, we don't. So when the left is saying, hey, uh, we're going to lose our democracy, uh, we literally don't have a democracy because our votes Well, we don't. It's a, it's a republic with democratic pr uh, uh, principles right. of practice. So I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I want to sell some books to our audience and put that book in their hands here in Albuquerque. Tell us about the uh, fall and rise of America. Uh, it's a, a new nonfiction from Regnery. We'll be back, The Fall and Rise of America. It is about uh, where we went from the pinnacle of power down to the sorry mess led by that crusty old zombie. So, <laughs> you know, you a lot. talk radio. That's some good stuff. I do talk radio. I guess those are well, a bunch of. Where, we, where can we tune into you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm a guest host on a couple networks. Okay. Uh, so people find me around when your favorite host goes on vacation. Hey, Kurt, right. come in and do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm the guy who did uh, Dennis Prager's show and put the Sex Pistols on as his bumper music. Oh, that's wow. That was my uh, that was my thing. But go get the book; it's a lot of fun. Look, I was a stand-up comic as well as a war college graduate, yeah. so you get your history. But it's amusing. It's not a death march. It's not boring. I want every line to be funny or interesting or teach you or make you think about something. First thing I brought up to you was Dennis Miller. I uh, uh, love Dennis Miller. He is uh, a, I, he was so good on our radio at my station that I put him back to back for six hours straight at the very end. And uh, you're one of your best friend, Larry O'Connor. Yeah. Great guy, great host, love the man. And uh, he's very funny. First thing I brought up to him, we've really gone from a point where, you know, talk radio could be entertaining, engaging, good to the point where it's just punching out agenda driven items. I feel like almost, and this isn't the fault of all the conservatives, but I do see way too many talking points. And uh, I really like the entertaining aspects of talk radio, where we can engage people in real life. And I can't wait to listen to you guest host any of those shows so I can listen to that type of well, radio, something that we're missing. It was one of the things that Rush was very good at, making it relatable, entertaining, and not taking all the air out you, of the room. You have to. I'm, I'm a trial lawyer, too. I have to go and make my case to 12 citizens who you know, are willing to do jury duty. So you know they're decade. They want to do the right thing. you got to tell a story. you got to keep their attention. Yeah. And I'll, way too many conservatives are kind of bow-tied losers. And that's not who we are. I, I, I like getting a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. And at their expense. And, oh, yes. Uh, well, last thing for you, Matt Gates came out the other day and he said, <laughs> what he said yeah, did you enjoy that? I loved it. I loved because, you know, there's a power in saying what everyone's thinking, absolutely. but you're not supposed to say it. Look, a lot of the people out there doing the shout your abortion thing are mutants. OK, weirdos, losers and mutations. And there's some wrong with you if you're shouting your abortion. OK. There are people who feel differently than you do and than I do, maybe. But if you're happy about it, if you think it's a good thing rather than a sad thing, that, you know, you're going to have an ugliness inside you, don't be surprised if it manifests outside. Yeah, and it has. And these are very ugly people. Oh, and they're the worst. You know, colossally <laughs> overweight. And I don't think anybody would want to read with them. Kurt Schlicker, <laughs> thank you so much for being Thanks here. for having really me, man. I appreciate you uh, very it's much. Fun. It's called We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. Please pick it up uh, there in the Kiva audience. We appreciate everybody tuning in on AM 1600 FM live here from CPAC in Dallas, Texas. CPAC 2022. 
AM 1600 KIVA, BQ.FM, rockoftalk.com here, broadcasting from CPAC in Dallas, Texas, the fourth largest city. Yes, folks, the fourth largest city, and meeting a lot of new and inspiring people. And here I'm here with the founder and CEO. Mark it down, folks. Brave Books, Trent Talbot, the author, uh, excuse me, the uh, CEO of Brave Books, but has many authors, uh, I should say. And he's the father of two and a family man, and uh, he is fighting the culture war with his uh, wonderful company, Brave Books. Uh, Trent, welcome into the Kiva. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Eddie. Well, I got to tell you, this is uh, exciting. How did you decide to start Brave Books, for one? I mean, a book company now in the 21st century? Does anybody read anymore? Isn't just all screen time? You know, I make sure, especially when I manage my kids' time, because they need that. They need to be led. I need to tell them. I said, you can't do that without reading your pages. And I've got them on some other things right now, but I'm excited to turn them on to Brave Books. So what made you decide to start a book company? Well, I was uh, an ophthalmologist, an eye surgeon. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I decided to leave my practice when my daughter Charlotte was born. So the story is I was holding her in my arms. Um, she is she was about uh, three three weeks old. Okay. And I'm holding her in my arms, three weeks old. She's taking a nap. I'm on Twitter because I'm addicted to Twitter. And I see this trailer for the film Cuties on Netflix. And I, I, oh, yeah. I remember I, the commercial. I, I uh, only because I saw, I'm not a subscriber for Netflix, yeah. but only because it's a horrible thing. Don't look it up, Do folks. Not. <laughs> yeah, so so I I, I watch it, and, and it, it it is meant to sexualize young girls, to, to teach them that that's how they should act. And yeah. I'm sitting there hold, holding this little little baby, and just dad mode kicks in. I'm just pissed and, and just sick to my stomach. And, and so it just sends me down this rabbit hole of looking at what else is culture teaching our kids. Right. And I just stumble on these crazy books, you know, social media influencers, which are just teaching our kids the worst things, looking at what's in our schools. And, right. And decided, uh, God, I felt God put a call on my heart. Like, like so, somebody needs to really push back. And, and so had the idea of brave books and, and why is that? Why are books the right medium to change culture? Well, books, there's something special about books. You know, it's a more active learning process. Sure, absolutely. At TV screens, it's passive with books. So our books typically are about 16 spreads, 16 illustrations. Okay. The kids have to recreate everything that's happened in between those spreads in their minds. So it's a much more active process. And, and they, what I, I believe is books books change kids worldview much much more than, than yeah. tv there's a different processing yeah, isn't there so the different. screen time uh, it's like in your face they can almost control tiktok is scary I yeah. mean, it is mind control uh, yeah. to the utmost. I try to uh, let people know what's going on here because it doesn't give you the choice. It gives you the illusion choice. Right. Book is like radio. You get to go ahead and explore the mind. It's imagination. Yes. Um, theater of the mind is what we call radio. I think yeah. a lot of theater gets created when people are reading. So you've got some great authors, some big names already. And uh, by the way, that's quite the shift. Uh, or you probably still are practicing ophthalmologists. No, I stopped. Yeah. Really? No, I mean, this is this as much as I can do. I mean, we've got over 20 employees. We are. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're, I, I'm busy. Yeah. Well, you are committed to the cause. And um, yeah. without you, without great Americans like you who are willing to go ahead and fight for the cultural values of this country, which ultimately all unite us, and we've got to teach the other side this is the way to do it. But boy, 
quite a uh, an arsenal, if you will. Uh, I know I met Dinesh D'Souza, of course, yeah. watch his movies, um, but also his books as well, which I listen to uh, on Audible. Uh, you got Cash Patel. Yeah. My gosh, you've got really good guys. Tell us about your lineup and uh, tell us about uh, some of the offerings that you have at Brave Books. Yeah, well, our core offering is a subscription to our Book of the Month Club. Okay. So every single month we come out with a new book and we teach a new pro-America, pro-God, anti-woke value. You know, we've got... I'm, I'm already a subscriber. Wait, <laughs> yeah. wait, wait. I just literally, let me, you stopped your career. I'm going to stop the radio show. There we and go. I'm going to go and, and subscribe I will be right back now. in 10 minutes. Yeah, uh, this is great. Yeah. So our first book was Elephants, Not Birds. It teaches, obviously, gender identity. Okay. And uh, a really fun. Elephants fun, are not birds. Elephants are not birds. I get it. Look, 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 <laughs> this it is out. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> look at this. Brave Books Art by Steliana Donieva. Yeah, this is incredible. Uh, this is, oh, nice quality. Yeah, oh, it just, you know, I have such a large collection of books for my children but uh, these are large books too yeah and one of the things that uh, kids don't like is they don't like two too small books you know right little, no they like to hold love to see the big hands. pictures the, the bigger the better yeah. you know and, and so you know we we cover things like sanctity of life our second book called little lives matter okay and we've covered the first first amendment second amendment <laughs> uh, just little lives matter this yeah. is good yeah. uh, if you don't mind me just taking a few minutes so okay. we can really yeah, get these yeah, out yeah. To these. i mean you've got this uh, treasure I mean, most people are coming and we're, we're you've literally got the books uh, books right in my hand. Yeah. Unmuzzle me, please. That's the First Amendment one. Yeah, First Amendment, DC okay. Drano, you know, social media legend. All he, right. He, Christmas uh, subscriptions. Uh, we're yes. we're going to start. To, how much are the subscriptions, Trent? They're $14.99 a month. Plus nice. Yeah. And then Freedom Day. Is that Freedom the, Day, the Ashway. This is our most recent book. This is our August book with Dinesh D'Souza and Debbie okay. D'Souza. And it's on socialism. Oh, and he did it with his wife. I met her. Yeah. She's a wonderful lady. She's so smart. Yeah. yeah. That is a fantastic. These are great books. And uh, folks, they're right here in front of me. So colorful. So, and so then uh, Trent's pulling the, out uh, check an this entire out, map. Eddie. All right, so every the, with your first book, you get this poster so that kids hang on the wall. Okay, it's a poster of Freedom Island, and every story takes place on this universe in this universe that we built on Freedom Island, and and they all take place on different locations on Freedom Island: Frenzy Park, Washington, Shivermore, Wizard's Way. This is okay. <laughs> well, I apologize for saying this, but for those dads out there who <laughs> yeah, have kids it. who like uh, these uh, video games. The, the island looks a lot like I can't think of the name of the video game, but it, it this translates, yes. and it's an immediate connection, which is what kids need. They need to connect. Once they're disconnect, we lose them forever. My kids tell me everything, but um, I mean, when, when it comes to doing this, folks, for about 150 bucks a year this subscription yeah. uh you can share this and get all of these books and it looks like on here you've got your books all planned out for what you're going to achieve oh yeah so we're going to go for five years five years okay uh, it's going to be a five-year subscription if you start from the beginning and that's 60 books and we have an overarching narrative that we're going to tell you know we've got our our heroes team brave and the legends of freedom island and then we've got the villains you know we've got blackheart and culture the vulture and <laughs> lester and all these really Carl you know, Pumpus oh, yeah. Hyenas yeah, Wolves Yeah This got, is better than So my kids uh, You know They of course Like the Avengers And all that kind yeah. of stuff But that stuff Fades out pretty quick uh, These are a lot more Grippy with 
real principles and things exactly. that people can follow and believe in. You're yeah. a great dad, Trent, for, oh, for doing so this. Much. That's really awesome that you're thinking because we need this. Dads out there, we're thank busy. You. We can't compete with the celebrities out there right. and their influence on us all the time. So this is very helpful. Thank you so much. It's hard to it's hard to communicate these these values that we hold dear to our kids because you know, we're used to talking to other adults and we talk to other adults at the conceptual level you know like well communism is bad because this is this but to kids it's just sort of like words that goes over the head kids learn best in stories and they yeah. learn best whenever their imaginations run wild so that's how we that's how we teach is we tell really fun stories in a universe that they love with characters that they love and then that story serves as the framework for the parents to then have a conversation with their kids. So if you look in the back of the book, we have something called the Brave Challenge. And the Brave Challenge is a set of games and discussion questions that parents and kids go through together. And it creates wow. a conversation that then that then turns the parent into the resource where kids get they learn how the world works as opposed to culture, you know. And, and so I get to be dad of the year. You're even helping with the shortcuts. Do you mind if uh, yeah. we just read like a little open passage here? Uh, I want to get our listeners on board with this. So it's got brave tips. This is for Dinesh and uh, Debbie and their suggestions. You've got a scoring system, a one-child modification. Talk about a question such as in the game you had each hop on one foot uh, for different amounts of time. Was it fair that you received all the same amount of money? Wow, fairness. I like that. I like where your head's at. Capitalism. Uh, this is good. Uh, folks, I want you guys to uh, subscribe to this. Uh, absolutely. And I'm interested to see uh, how well and how much we can get, uh, you know, the people who listen to our audience. We have a pretty conservative audience yeah. uh, and many Christians, people who will go to all the big churches in Albuquerque, Legacy Church. Um, you know, these are all people who listen to this all the time and they have to find a way to connect. And yeah. mom and dads aren't so cool when they're listening to this stuff from like the late 2000s or you know kids it's, it's amazing how much uh, time really moves uh, right. forward and how quickly so Trent I really appreciate you uh, you being here how can we subscribe go to bravebooks.com and subscribe to the book of the month club that easy huh yeah okay. that easy and uh, you will uh, get them uh, oh you have Jack uh, tell us about the Hodge twins okay and, yeah. and Jack uh, Provisek <laughs> so Jack is an amazing legend on Twitter. Yeah. He's the best. He and did, you're always on Twitter, right? Exactly. Oh, okay. They've got me. Uh, so he did the Island of Free Ice Cream on the dangers of communism. He's super passionate about communism. He yeah. spent some time in China and knows what they're all about. And so he, he did that book with us. Uh, it's an amazing book. The Hodge Twins did More Than Spots and Stripes on CRT. And so, so that'd you know, be the right one. Bingo. Yeah, exactly. It, it, CRT is huge. In fact, the uh, breeding ground, the start of that, the genesis of CRT, uh, was our national laboratories uh, in yeah. Albuquerque, Sandia National whoa, Labs. Whoa. Yeah. So they went through an entire, like, literally taking on the PhDs and the doctors, the scientists were all there, and telling them, putting them all in a room, and basically telling them, "You're racist. Here's why." You should be ashamed, and you'd be willing to give it basically everything. They all sent them up to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and you cannot believe, like, as intelligent as these people are, you know, they don't think of things in terms of that. And all of a sudden, they're being forced, and if they didn't do this, then it was forced. you got to do one on jabbing. 
Oh, we're working on it. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> I wish you guys could see uh, the look on Trent's face. He's like, oh, yeah, definitely. How scary must it be to think that, you know, and you're a brand new father, and I'm told yeah. that uh, the government uh, can stick a jab in there and force it in order for them to participate in society. If you don't do this, you can't participate. Yeah, it's terrifying. I mean, it's, there's so many aspects of what's going on in our culture right now that's terrifying, you know. And But, but yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a big one. You know, it, it seems like we're create we're almost creating two separate cultures yep, where you know we have the people that are just sort of mindlessly going through everything, listen to the government, listen to what mainstream media is saying, and the people that are off doing their own thing. And and I think that's just it, that looks like the direction things are headed, which is unfortunate because we need to be united. You know, we need to be um, united a, as a country, but. Unfortunately, I'm I'm not I'm not going to go along with it with, with my kids. You know, we, as Good. parents, as parents, we have to we have to look out and protect our kids. Absolutely. Well, you're doing it. Not only are you protecting your own kids, you're protecting our kids and our culture as well. Uh, because if we uh, lose our culture, we lose our way of life. Uh, yeah. I don't know how well life is worth living. I, I run around with my lucky cap on, and so why do you like lucky cap? You know, why just like because you're lucky to be born in a country such as yeah. this. Can you imagine being born where you're forced uh, to be doing this and that? And right now, that's where we're headed: the homogenization of America. If you don't yeah. agree to these things, that's the, that's going to be our children's future. And that nine months is going to turn into nine years before you know it. She's 19 and out the house, and yeah. you know we got to make sure that she and and all the rest of our children have the right values. Thank you so much for uh, being here. Your website is? Bravebooks.com. All right. Thanks so much, Trent, for being here. This is a lot of fun to look at these books. And uh, please subscribe today, folks. Back after a quick break here at the Kiva. Thanks, Eddie. AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, broadcasting from CPAC here in Dallas. And, hey, radio hosts also like to be interviewed as well. And I thought maybe I'd give you a different perspective of what's going on someplace else for another drive time radio host before he sets off to do his show he's known as chris x on am 700 kscb the voice of texas or la voz de Texas, right as we might say but uh, chris x joining me right here at cpac uh, how are you chris hey i'm good thanks for having me on yeah this is great how do you show prep what do you get ready what, what what's the life of a talk show host what what must it be like i'll say this years ago was a lot more difficult to prep because you sometimes you would have to go and dig to find a good story to talk about. Not anymore. There's too many stories. It's too much bad things going on. What's he caught both. There's with the political spectrum, which is what we generally focus on. Right. We're a conservative talk station, and we're right. the voice of Texas. So we cover a lot of Southeast Texas. We're the Houston area. You know, I don't know how familiar you are with that area, but we cover the Gulf Coast, Galveston. We get callers off oil rigs out in the Gulf of Mexico. So wow. we got a pretty good signal. But they're just there's so much with the Biden administration, which I have coined from a friend of mine, the Biden hole. We just came through four years of the Trump apocalypse. Every day was the end of the world. Right. If you talk to Democrats, it was the end of the world every day, yet everything was better than it's been for a very long time. Right. And now they're telling you it's better, but it's worse. Right. So we slid from the Trump apocalypse into the Biden hole, and we'll see if we head into Trump apocalypto. Trumpocalypse Part 2 coming up here in about two years. Yeah, well, this is exciting. I can tell you can talk, and that makes it a lot uh, better for me, <laughs> much easier. Uh, tell me about AM700 KSCV. Who you own by? What do you do? How far does that signal reach? Uh, it's, you know what? I couldn't tell you exactly how far it reaches, but I know we cover uh, portions of western Louisiana, 
all of southeast Texas, the Houston area, Galveston area, uh, as you head up north like Conroe, the Woodlands. Generally, you know, up here in Dallas, it almost reaches up to Dallas, so oh, we're nice. pretty close. How far is uh, Houston from Dallas? About know. four hours. Okay, so well, 200, that's pretty big, so about yeah. 250 miles there. Oh, yeah, so, it's uh, exactly. Yeah. I think it was 221 miles to get her earlier today. Okay. So. And you're at the, uh, the uh, bottom or the left side of the AM dial, which as you get higher on the AM, as you know, you lose some of that fidelity and the distance on that, that's just the way that that, that, that it travels. Yeah. We have a good solid signal. We're, we're very lucky. Yeah, and you're, how about your lineup? Uh, the lineups goes, we've got Dana Lash on. Uh, Chris Salcedo is on in the mornings. I've uh, heard him, yeah. yeah. Uh, Newsmax. Yeah, exactly. He does his Newsmax show in the afternoons. Chris has been on for some time. The station itself has been there for about 30, is it 35 years now, 36 okay. years? It's one of the few, if not the only, left independently owned and operated station in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Cumulus, iHeart. Uh, no, we're not affiliated with any of those. Right, but everything else. Exactly. Yeah. Everything else is all corporately owned now. Right. Uh, as you mentioned, iHeart or Cumulus. Lieutenant Governor. Yeah, the uh, Lieutenant Governor is the primary owner. He did. I'm filling his shoes, which other people have filled before. He used to do the afternoons. Why? And then, of wow, course. that's great. Yeah, he ran for state senator and won. It was funny because at the time, people were like, he doesn't have really any listeners, and it's a small <laughs> niche audience. And then he ran for state senate and won with like 79% of the vote. So they learned very quickly that. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the case. I have a similar story. I ran for mayor, and I don't really have a voice. You know, nobody really listens. Nobody. Really, and all of a sudden, he gets eighty percent. So <laughs> there's some good testimony right there. He owns other stations as well, right? Uh, I think he used to, but no longer. I know he's okay, divested so this because is his go-to. Yeah. You know, well, this is it. Okay. And now that he's lieutenant governor, he's been. This is his. I think he's done two terms, and this will be his third term that he's running for. So he's Are hands you out of off. A job? Then? Uh, I don't know. Oh, if he, if he doesn't continue, I'm going to be done. Yeah, you got to be a Chris X. Here's, here's the thing. bring you over to New Mexico. Well, that's fine. You, let me know. I'll be happy to come. <laughs> I've been to New Mexico. It's, I've been up on the was Sandia Peaks Mountain yeah. up in Albuquerque. Oh, you took the tram. Oh, yeah. No, we hiked up that mountain. Really? Yeah, we took the tram first, oh, and gosh. then we hiked up the next day. Oh. I was younger then. <laughs> I would take the tram now for sure. But it's I loved Albuquerque. A friend of mine did a residency there, okay. and I got to go visit, and then we did the tour. We went from we Grand Canyon. And uh, was White Sands, New Mexico, and yeah. all the beautiful area. No, there. it is. It's it's fantastically gorgeous. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we suffer from something called scenic poverty. Mm. Um, it is uh, destitute in terms of our educational attainment, uh, destitute in terms of our you know overall income. But we have some real issues uh, that we have to get through politically. Yeah. And I've um, heard the uh, crime is really ramped up there as well. It really has. Uh, you know, highest per capita. I just did an interview with Fox News telling them exactly that as we wow. they, uh, wrap up the. Uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul saga. Um, yeah. We'd like to be known for other things. And, you know, just getting back to Texas, because I'm so interested in, in Dallas and Houston, I had no idea Dallas was bigger than Houston, the MSA. I mean, Dallas well, is a very large city with some of the best people I have ever met in my life. Dallas is awesome, but that's also a little misleading. It's the Dallas-Fort Worth market, which makes it bigger than Houston. Got it. Houston, okay. size-wise, is the third largest city in the country. And then also population-wise, we're about to surpass Chicago if we haven't already. Wow. So okay. it's the twin cities of Dallas-Fort Worth that makes it slightly bigger. And we used to bounce back and forth. And I think right now, still Dallas is a little bit bigger with the, the combination. And we're what they call the Houston-Galveston market, but Galveston's pretty small. You've so, been in Texas your whole life? Yeah, born and raised in Houston, Texas. Okay. Wow, so, it's a hometown. That's real hometown radio. Hometown oh, absolutely. Bill, and you went to a local high school. And yep. 
all that other kind of stuff. I went to University of Houston is where I graduated from college. So I'm and I've bounced around. I've done radio, some syndicated radio and other stuff, but mostly I've stayed in Texas and I love Texas. I mean, it's we're one of the last few free states here in America. (laughs) What's making you guys grow so fast on the local kind of giving it from your standpoint? You see more and more people moving here by the day, week, month, year. It's crazy. It's well, the reality is the the most recent numbers there with when they look at the U-Haul trucks and that sort of stuff, there are more people moving to Texas than anywhere else in the country. There are more people moving to Houston than anywhere else in the state of Texas. So, and then followed up closely by Dallas and other areas. It's because of our, I don't know how much you know about the the area, but the cost of living is relatively low. Property tax is high though. Property taxes in Harris County, I think they're up the California, maybe the highest in the country. But the other than that, the rest of like homes for what you can buy for $1.52 million in California you can buy in Houston for two, three hundred thousand dollars. Wow! So it's night and day. I have a four bed, you know, four bedroom, two thousand square foot home, and I was talking to people in, in California. You're looking at a million plus dollars. My mom bought it was two hundred thousand dollars. So it's a real battle between these. Uh, competition is good. As, yes. Uh, you know, between two cities and uh, between anything really. I mean, yes. when you really evaluate it. But when they decided to live and stay in Houston, what keeps you in Houston? Why do you like Houston so much? You're a fan mm-hmm. of the the sports teams. You have your family there. Tell us about. Um, I do have family here, and that's because I was born and raised here. I was huge. My mother was the biggest Astros fan in the world, so I'm a huge Astros fan. But because of the woke nature of sports, I don't really watch sports anymore. Yeah, not me either. Mixed martial arts is the only sport I follow now. Yeah. So, but I, the Astros will always be my favorite team. Um, also, the demographics kind of here because it's Houston. Dallas is a, is what they call more of a cosmopolitan city. Yeah. There's a lot of people, but there's some old oil money here. There's other things. It's it's still a friendly area because Texas, but compared to us in Houston it's different we're more friendly we're more southern hospitality so houston is known as one of the most friendly cities you don't meet a stranger in houston really so it's everybody's even more friendly there and they're friendly here in dallas i'm not dogging dallas dallas is a great city but it's just different we have the houston dallas rivalry you know with the cowboys and the texans or the rangers and the astros so but but overall it's just a real friendly city one thing that people don't realize houston is one of the most international cities in the country we're known as the energy capital of the world we have the houston ship channel we have refined we have the ability to do so many things in Houston and so many people come there for work and then stay because of the low cost of living. And we were also declared a few years ago, you may remember this, the fattest city in the country. I did not know that. I thought that was New Orleans. Yeah, I don't know. I think we lost that title to New Orleans a couple of years ago, but we recalled that, but it wasn't because of body fat content. It was because of places to go eat. We have more <laughs> restaurants and things. And that, that's how they measured it. I couldn't believe it. Well, you gotta, you got to see the food that we have in New Mexico. We'll have to have you over in uh, New Mexico and I'll do an exchange. You come host for a few days and uh, do it there in our wonderful full confines of Albuquerque since you like oh, yeah. so much. And, that would be awesome. I mean, they would absolutely love to hear a great Texas voice uh, on our radio station. So how long have you been doing talk radio? I've been doing talk radio for about 20 years now. Wow. Yeah, right. so, so I, you've got your chops and you've kept them going, and that's a great thing. I, you know, once you lose those chops, it's hard to get them back. I'm blessed to be doing what I'm doing. I'm thankful every day because these are very coveted positions. Yeah. It's all, you know, things are very com- competitive, even more so in television, yeah. but radio. But to get in, I, I'm lucky to be in familiar territory because I'm in Houston. Right. So it's kind of like I said, it's familiar for me, but I know the city. I've been there my whole life. I know the ins and outs. You, you were mentioning the property taxes like Harris County. The funny thing is, Texas is a very state. But when you get into the inner cities of Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, not so much Fort Worth, but uh, Austin, San Antonio, it's very blue. Yeah. It's very Democrat. The Democrats have taken over those areas and 
as I say, these Democrat-run enclaves, they've run them in the ground. Crime is rampant in Harris County, Travis County, Dallas County. So it's it, it's pretty bad. As soon as you kind of get outside of the confines of Harris County, of course, oh, yeah. taxes are huge. As soon as you kind of get back out of that, then you're in red state Texas. And like I said, it's there's not a friendlier place on the planet. Yeah, I got to tell you, I enjoy my uh, sister. She lives on the outside of uh, Dallas. And, you know, we certainly know Greenville and Caddo and all these wonderful places. And like I said, some of the best people I've ever met are right here in Texas. And yeah. As you said, outside of the uh, metroplex or the metro areas, because, yeah, we have some very, very high crime rates here. But as I told you uh, before we got started, which is Albuquerque, the highest, uh, mur- second highest uh, murder rate per capita in the entire country. So yeah, that's crazy. But you got to check it out. But uh, we're going to be hanging out next to the uh, booths uh, with each other. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Chris X, you can find him dev- uh, directly at ksevradio.com. Uh, it's uh, three to uh, three to five local times. So if you want to pick up the first hour of your show while you're listening to me, you can certainly uh, uh, do that. Tell me about your best interview or your best day in radio uh, that you ever had at KSEV. Oh, man, that's a tough one. There's been a lot of good days. It out right now, as I uh, There's a few of them. I, I know probably... One of the best times, it's hard to say which one is the best, and I'll be up there again next month in September, was the Hold Their Feet to the Fire up in D.C. It's an immigration event, okay. and getting to sit and talk with guys uh, like uh, Tom Homan, all oh, of yeah. these the, you know, top wow. guys of the Trump administration dealing with uh, and they're, they're every, your nonstop interview over, over, and over again. And getting we broadcast live from the Fox News Bureau uh, up there in um, uh, D.C., so we're overlooking the Capitol, and you're interviewing these people. We did it. <laughs> because DC is not a free state like Texas, right. it's not even a state. But nonetheless, it's not free like Texas. They were they did it indoors for years. Well, it was a mask mandate. Masks and radio don't go together very no, well. They don't. It's hard to talk. Yeah, it sounds everything kind of. So, uh, so the the people who run the event, the, it's fair. Is so they're fair.org, I think is the website. Uh, they decided to move it outdoors. They put it on top of the Fox News Bureau. So we're overlooking Union Station in Washington D.C. Oh, wow. The weather was beautiful. Yeah. And it was amazing. I'm on the top of a building, and I'm interviewing all these heavy hitters within the immigration. And these guys know it inside and out. And it was really kind of amazing to talk with those guys who crafted the Trump policy on immigration, also how effective it was, and then to where we find ourselves today, which is the exact opposite. So that was probably one of the – well, it's two of the best days. And then there's – Union union Station, of course, just straight looking at the Capitol. And uh, that must have been something. I was just there in April. Uh, covered in homeless people right now. Oh, yeah. It's just a different place. I remember asking, I went, what are all those tents? Do- what is that? So I was like, they didn't want to say anything. Yeah. Uh, but what are those tents? What are Finally, the, oh, that's the homeless people. I was like, oh, you guys don't talk about that a lot, do you? Uh, no, they certainly don't. <laughs> I have two, two, two questions uh, for you. Does the wall get finished in Texas? Um, I'm assuming at some point, yes. Is it the federal government going to do it? No, it seems to be our governor or whomever, Governor Abbott currently, and then whomever the governor may be. If they, I don't think Beto O'Rourke's going to win, but you don't take anything for granted. No, uh, I love that you said that. I'm glad that you're a taco so, uh, saying that, too. Uh, it, what drives me up the wall is how, you know, you have certain talk show hosts that are like, oh, it's going to be a red wave. I'm like, it's not going to be a red wave. Please, just stop telling people that. Tell people that they got to show up and vote. Uh, it's, second yeah. question for you, speaking of elections, does Donald Trump uh, declare here this weekend? I don't know if he will this weekend. I think he's going to wait until after the midterms. Okay. I think that benefits him better. It also gives him the opportunity to make sure that if 
Because right now he's at 120 and 10 or something like that with endorsements. I think it's one 129. I think uh, 97 of them have won. So, oh no, with the endorsements that he's that have won right now, I think it's 120 or 117 to like 10 that have lost. Okay. The number's unbelievable. Yeah. So if he continues to do what he does, and I think if they have success, of course, in the general, if they can do that, I'm pretty sure at that point he'll announce after. I think it helps to announce after. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an insider on the Trump campaign. It's interesting to get uh, talk show hosts' uh, take on things because, uh, by and large, we don't keep track of our own stats, but yeah. uh, we're pretty on it. So. Yeah, okay. Chris X, thank you so much for being here. The station is AM700 KSEV, owned by Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. No, not the sports host, uh, Dan Patrick. And <laughs> And, uh, folks, you guys can find him, uh, Chris X Radio, the next generation of conservative talk. Thanks for being a good sport, uh, doing the interview, and, uh, hey, being a great neighbor as well. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And it's good having you as a neighbor here. I got him in fr- friendly territory. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's all friendly territory here at Dallas CPAC 2022. Back after a quick break here in the Kiva. I'm 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. I'm Eddie here on the Rock of Talk here, Lieutenant Colonel Barry Bridger, U.S. Air Force, retired. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you for being here in the Kiva as well this afternoon, live at CPAC in Dallas, Texas. And uh, you've got a story to tell, and you tell it in the spirit to soar, inspiring life lessons and values for a victorious life. Lieutenant Colonel Barry, can you hear me? I can't. Do I talk through this? No, it's right there on the uh, okay. right there. Yeah, I hear, hear you. Okay, perfect. We got you loud and clear. Tell us about uh, your life, how you have inspired so many people, and what urged you to tell your story and put it out there. Well, first of all, we all have a story, and there's much to learn from one another. I was born in a home for unwed mothers, and when I was placed into an orphanage. And I lived in that orphanage until I was about five years of age. I was in and out with different families that might have considered adopting me, but nothing happened. Foster families. Right. And if you get to know me, you'll tell that I'm a very energetic individual. I'm 82. I could care less. Yeah. I'm just filled with energy. And as a young boy, five years of age, I'd never seen goldfish. I'd never seen an interstate. I didn't know what lights on a car were. I knew nothing. Because I was living in a building of green and brown paint with picnic-style tables with a bunch of screaming orphans like me where the big big boys took all the toys and we had to fight, fight for anything we had. So I grew up in a meat-first mentality uh, orphanage. And then one day, by the grace of God, I was asked by a family to take me on a trip for the weekend. So we got in late at night, 9 o'clock, drove south to North Carolina down into the Carolinas from Virginia. And uh, I was mesmerized the whole trip, looking at all the things my little mind had never come to grips with. And uh, the family had a goldfish pond in front of their garage. 
I was up before anybody that day because of all this stuff I wanted to see. I couldn't get enough. I can only imagine the oh, joy yeah. of a young oh, child seeing a goldfish for the first time. Oh, yeah. And the, they had a son who was older than me by about a year. Yeah. And a big boy, for saying. And I, he's out near the goldfish pond. He comes out. I'm already there. And he walks over to the goldfish pond and reaches into the pond and grabs the goldfish and starts squeezing the life out of it. Oh, my gosh. I went ballistic. I grabbed that kid and slammed him into the water, put his head under the water. I, I, he was not having much fun. His daddy comes flying out of the garage with the screams, grabs me by the cuff of the neck, puts me in his car, takes me to the orphanage, drops me in the orphanage. And my first adventure outside of the orphanage did not go well. Yeah. Well, by the grace of God, the same family almost a year later decided to try it again. Went down to the same little town. The little girl had a birthday party. They invited me over to the orphan. And all the kids thought I was a specimen of some kind, you know, who I was. Right. And across the street, Destiny lay waiting. The mom I would eventually get to know is my uh, second mom. Saw a little boy leaning against a mimosa tree eating ice cream and cake with the birthday party kids, but off to himself. And that he had started looking at the house from whence this person was watching the little boy and wondering, what is that house? Big columns, uh, slate walkway, magnolia trees, azaleas and camellias. Unbelievable beauty. I was just sitting there looking across the street at this home. And this lady who's looking at me from that house picks up the phone, calls the lady of the home across where I was and said, there's a little boy, I don't recognize him, and he's looking at the house, next man. I think he wants to come over and look. Is that all right? And by the way, who is he? She said, oh, that's that little orphan boy from Durham, North Carolina. We brought him down, hoped he'd have some fun. Uh, yeah, I'll bring him over and, and let him look at the house. So she did. I walked into the door. The lady looked at me. She said, Barry, you have the run of the house. We're not going to ask you any questions, and we're not going to bother you. Do as you wish. If you need us, we're in here. <laughs> I was all over this mansion yeah. looking at things my eyes had never dreamed existed. Yeah. And what's really interesting also is I'm running all over the place and I smell food. Mm -hmm. It smells fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, not, not great offerings at the yeah. orphanage. Oh, oh, yeah. And so I, 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 I abruptly ran into the kitchen area. I didn't know when I was where where that I was that was where I was headed. And I ran into my first black American lady. She was the maid, she lived on the property, and her name was Mummy Jug Jug Guys of Swack I know Duddy Love Love. <laughs> we were the best of friends from get go. 
Yeah. And but then they we had supper. They took me upstairs to a room in the corner of the home. Yeah. On the ceiling was a propeller. There was air, aircraft paraphernalia everywhere. And I later discovered that the um, son of the lady who lived in the home was a World War II hero. Wow. And he had just come back from the war zone. Wow. Flying C-47s with Barry Goldwater in the hump wow. in India. Now, that night, they took me up, showed me in my room with all of that paraphernalia with a balcony and a private bath. Yeah. And I'm like this. I'm home. <laughs> and and I went to bed under the, the a propeller and all of this in, the environment that I could not dream of. Yeah. And I woke up about 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I got up. Yeah. I dressed. I walked downstairs. There's only two streets in that little town, back street and front street. <laughs> Real simple to work with. <laughs> and I started walking down one of those roads that went from asphalt to gravel within yeah. about four miles. By daybreak, I was seven to nine miles from my home, from my new home. Yeah. And my mother-to-be, the orphan, he's gone. Where is he? The highway patrol, the wildlife department, all the the, 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 the good folks in the city, small yep. town. They were all, uh, all ATV looking, to go find you. Yeah, looking for this orphan. And your mom? Yeah. Yeah. And your yeah. mom was putting, sending out everybody out to go and go find you. And they all were. And now I'm walking along. It's now dark again. Yeah. Fireflies everywhere. I am amazed. And I'm walking along this gravel road, and I see a light, a headlight of a car. I know it's a car. I figured that one out. Yeah. And it's coming towards me. I'm going to wait and look at it as it goes by. So I'm sitting there grinning, looking like this. Here comes this highway patrol with these big bubble gums, pulls up beside me. The guy rolls his window down. He looks at me and says, your name Barry. And I went, how did you know my name? <laughs> That's, and, I ne and I never left that house. That was it. The, all the, it takes it, for it, someone to it, be a mom is that's all it enough. took all back in those days. Yeah. That's the way you got adopted. That was in 1945. I can tell you, you got a story to tell. Uh, you're 82 years young, and as you said, you don't give a damn. And you're here with your friend Jim Peterson, who's a Dr. Peterson, but also a retired captain from the U.S. Naval, graduate of the Our Naval Academy. By the way, Annapolis is a absolutely amazing place and, and folks that's just the start of this man's life lieutenant colonel barry bridger i'm going to go ahead and read the intro to this because we want to tell people more about it where they can find you we're going to connect you with the good people over at the uh, hometown heroes my good friend paul leffler who does uh, you know so much of those people who have served uh particularly in the korean war and world war ii um but on january 23rd the story 
starts. 1967, Lieutenant Colonel Barry Bridger and his co-pilot Dave Gray launched a mission over Vietnam in their Phantom F-4s. We have the uh, tacos that are, and that's the name of the fleet at Kirtland Air Force Base. Fighter jet in its treacherous weather. It was Colonel Bridger's 75th mission, the only one he attempted during daylight hours. Give us a little taste of uh, what is in the book, The Spirit to Soar, and uh, Jim is going to tell us uh, where we can also pick this up and find it. So tell me, uh, synopsize uh, the book a little bit. You want him to do it? No, I want oh, oh, either one, both of you. You guys can uh, try that. Yeah, we'll, we'll let uh, Jim. Uh, I, we got the storyteller. Him and I could have done about an hour and a half of radio just on his story alone. Is that is that about right? Oh, it's a. You must have had fun just listening to just that. I I, I just let him go. Well, let let me tell you how it <laughs> happened. In the, um, I I knew Barry for a. About 15 years, Mm -hmm. and one day I said to him, "Um, tell me your story. And Barry started telling me about uh, Vietnam. I said, Barry, I know that story. Tell me your life story. You know, in life, we don't always know what uh, about other people. Agreed, yeah. Two and a half hours later, and I decided at that point that I would write his story. Yeah, thank you. I'll tell you the detail with which you tell it, the passion of which I can feel it, and the direct connection that, you know, you and I are having right now, and your story as it started, and, you know, the, the, the beginning, not having a family, not knowing who your parents are, starting an orphanage, all the way to Lieutenant Colonel, uh, I got to tell you, there's a story that a lot of people need to hear. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where we can pick it up, Dr. Peterson, yeah, Okay, and uh, how we can, uh, you know, tell others about people who should tell their story as well. Absolutely. The... Uh the book is on any major um, book site, uh, but you can go on our website, which is the Spirit to Soar, T-O-Soar.com. And uh, what we find is that typically older people buy the book. And then they bought them, buy them for their children, their grandchildren, right. their friends, because the story is so important. Yeah, I think it's important that we talk about American stories, uh, stories that we're, we're fortunate. I have a Live Lucky hat over here, and people ask me, so oh, I like your hat. It's red, white, and blue. We are lucky to be born in this country, to be able to serve here in this country. Uh, we could have been born anywhere else, and one of the things that we didn't get a choice of is where we were, you know, uh, born. And I'm proud uh, to have been born here, and we're losing our way of life. Uh, you guys are here at CPAC here in Dallas, and that's the last question for you. Why did you guys choose to come here to CPAC here in Dallas? What is it about the conservative? and the movement and the people here that uh, make you so proud to be an American. Words cannot be a symbol that capture in full measure the horror of war, the pain, the scars, the sacrifice, and beg the question, why, how? Have America's veterans always been able to do with the Christmas War and return with honor? I believe the answer lies in what we Americans value. 
yep. about life, yep. about living, about being. Yep. The values are the rules that drive a nation. And if you don't have the right values, your ancestors aren't going to be able to pull you out of things. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, that's what we're all here to celebrate here at CPAC here in Dallas. It's the values. It's coming together. Um, we don't unite on uh, race. We don't unite on creed. We don't unite on any of those things. But we all have, and going back 246 years, the founding documents of this country are the people who started, the citizens, the people who started this country, and we still preserve them to this very day. But the greatest uh, founding document our constitution gentlemen thank you so much for being here thanks for coming to cpac uh we're going to go ahead and uh, pick up your book we're going to talk more about joy week it connects you to hometown heroes and uh, thank you for both for your service and uh, both both as officers and people in the in the u.s navy and the u.s army i really like your style <laughs> and i'm damn serious and i don't pass out compliments <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much lieutenant colonel Barry Bridger right here in the Kiva. Jim Peterson, PhD, is the author of The Spirit to Soar. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Back after a quick break on AM600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftop.com. Thank you, everybody. It's great to be with you. It's fantastic to be here in Texas, home star state of the United States of America. Yeah. If I am correct, lone star state means that independence, freedom, and sovereignty are the dearest values in this part of America. If this is true, and it must be true as I look around. Then we have something in common, even in Hungary is over 5,000 miles from Dallas. My country, Hungary, is the lone star state of Europe. The UN oil company is not paying corporate income tax in Budapest. <laughs> but independence, freedom, and sovereignty is what the Hungarians fought for in the last 500 years. We vote for Christianity in the middle and modern ages. And we fought for Christian democracy in the 20th century and continue to fight to this day. We are a nation of 15 million in the heart of Europe with a unique language. Pope Francis once told me that Hungarian was the official language in heaven because it takes an eternity to learn. It's just a slight exaggeration. That's probably enough to know about Hungary. As for myself, you should know that I am an old-fashioned freedom fighter. I'm also the 
Congress serving Prime Minister in Europe, the only anti-migration political leader of our continent, the father of five and grandfather of five grandchildren, the leader of a country that is under the siege of progressive liberals day by day. There are many things that the Central European anti-communist, old-fashioned freedom fighter, raised under communist rule, never dared to dream of. One of them is giving the speech at the CPEC here in the United States. In the land of the free, that the spirit of liberty shines brighter than at any other place on earth. Today, the dream came true. And I cannot be grateful enough. So I want to thank the organizers for inviting me, especially Anshak, and thank you all for welcoming me. The most distinguished representative of the United States want me to speak at their conference. I was wondering the last two or three weeks what you want to hear from me. I come from a thousand-year-old country with rich history, but let's be honest, Hungary is far from being a global superpower. The US is a global superpower. Your leaders should give an opening speech at our conferences in Hungary. But I think you managed to confuse a lot of people by inviting me. For example, the leftist media. I can already see tomorrow's headlines. Far-right, European racist, anti-semi-strongman, the Trojan horse of Putin, all speech at conservative conference. But I don't want to give them any ideas. They know best how to write things. Instead, I tell you the truth. In Hungary, we introduced the zero tolerance policy on racism and anti-Semitism. So, accusing us is fake news, and those who make these claims are simply idiots. confused as well. They are already busy writing their so-called research papers to inform Americans how I destroyed Hungarian democracy. According to their research, I managed to ruin Hungary's democracy in 2011. And then they say, I ruined it again in 2012. And then in 2013 and 14, at 15 and so on each and every year. But how did I manage to destroy something that was already ruined? The answer to this question, you have to be a rabid liberal. Finally, with my invitation, you have surprised the elite of Democratic Party too. I want to be clear. Be respect government of the United States. We are guests here and we need to behave decently. 
is the current administration path. But there is another side of the coin which I cannot ignore. Your administration has put Europe and especially Brussels under ideological pressure. This is not good for us. It's bad. The Obama administration tried to force us to change the fundamental law of Hungary and delete Christian and national values from it. Do you get it? The leading power of the free world wanted to force us to change our constitution according to the globalist liberal concept. How bizarre. This came as a surprise and caused us a lot of pain. But we resisted this attempt successfully. Since then, we are not the favorites of the American Democrats. They did not want me to be here, and they made every effort to drive a wedge between us. They hate me and slander me and my country as they hate you and slander you and America you stand for. We all know how this works. Progressive liberals didn't want me to be here because they knew what I would tell you. Because I'm here to tell you that we should unite our forces. Because we Hungarians know how to defeat the enemies of freedom on the political battlefield. Dear friends, we Hungarians defeated communism, which was forced on us by Soviet troops and arms. It took a while. We began our fight in 1956 and only in 1990. But we didn't. Our fathers fired the first shot, and we, their sons, won the war. We know what we have Ronald Reagan to thank for. to beat. They rose from their ashes, came together with the liberals, and come back all around the world stronger. To be brave enough to address even the most sensitive questions. Migration, gender, and the clash of civilizations. Don't worry, a Christian politician cannot be racist. So we should never hesitate to heavily challenge our opponents on these issues. Be sure Christian values protect us from going too far. Moreover, we know that at the end of our life, the moment will come when all our actions will be judged. Though you can't do anything, you have limits. As Clint Eastwood said, a man has got to know his limitations. But unfortunately, the left in politics does not know any limitations. And my friends, as it happens, today's progressives try to separate Western civilization from its Christian roots once again. They are crossing a line that should never be crossed. 
If you separate Western civilization from its Judeo-Christian heritage, the first things in history happen. Let's be honest. The most evil things in modern history were carried out by people who hated Christianity. Don't be afraid to call your enemies by their name. You can't play safe, but they will never show mercy. Consider, for example, George Soros, as you call him here. In Hungary, in Hungary we call him Yudimachi, which means Uncle Georgia. The wealthiest and one of the most talented Hungarians on earth. Just a hint, be careful with talented Hungarians. Uh, I know George Soros very well. He is my opponent. He believes in none of the things that we do. And he has an army at his service. Money, NGOs, universities, research institutions, and half the bureaucracy in Brussels. He uses this army to force his will on his opponents, like us Hungarians. He thinks that values dear to all of us led to the horrors of the 20th century. But the case is exactly the opposite. Our values save us from repeating history's mistakes. The horrors of Nazism and Communism happened because some Western states in continental Europe abandoned their Christian values. And today's progressives are planning to do the same. They want to give up on Western values and create a new world, a post-Western world. Who is going to stop them if we don't? Dear friends, I have also learned that in order to win, it is not enough to know what you are fighting for. You also have to know how you should fight. My answer is, by your own rules. But how do you do that? It is as simple as it sounds. You must play to win. You cannot expect victory and plan for defeat. You have to believe that you are better than your last liberal opponents are. And don't care what the liberals say. They always say you will lose. They say it cannot be done. You just have to prove them wrong. But there is one thing I have learned. We cannot fight successfully by liberal means. Because our opponents use liberal institutions, concepts, and language to disguise their Marxist and hegemonist plans. Politics, my friend, are not enough. This war is a culture war. We have to revitalize. We have to revitalize our churches, our families, our universities, and our community institutions. Hungary, Hungary is an old, proud, but David-sized nation standing alone against the folk globalist Goliath. We invite the solidarity of the American conservatives. They are in total attack, so we need a total defense. You have to be brave. 
If you feel fear, you have a job to do. The only thing we Hungarians can show you is how to fight back by our own rules. Let me give you a couple of examples. On migration. Ladies and gentlemen, we were the first ones in Europe who said no to illegal migration and stopped the invasion of illegal migrants. We believe that stopping illegal migration is necessary to protect our nation. We in Hungary decided to ask the people whether they want illegal migration or not. We had a referendum. Hungarian people decided they don't want migration, so they don't want to play by the rules of the progressives. They rejected the false claim that migrants cannot be stopped and forced us leaders to act. And we stopped illegal migration. We have actually built that wall. And it's not Dr. Carson said when he visited us, quote, it's not a high-tech wall, but guarded by people who love their country. And the border protection system works. During the Great Migration Crisis in 2015, 400,000 illegal migrants came to our borders. This is almost three times as much as Genghis Khan had when he invaded Europe. After we built the wall, we managed to reduce illegal migration to zero. <laughs> this, year, this year, we have already suffered 160,000 illegal border crossing attacks. 160,000 illegal border crossing attacks. So, we had the Hungarian borders catch every illegal migrant and escort them back to the other side of the border. The rule is simple. The rule is simple. You can apply for asylum at our embassy, but if you try to come to Hungary illegally, you will never ever make it. Even though, even though we are under pressure not only from the south, but also from the heads of the European Union as well. Yes, this is the case, my friend. They want us oh, to give up no, our zero migration policy because they also know that this is the decisive and final battle of the future. But the future is the most important thing we can give to our children and our grandchildren. So, in Hungary, we will never surrender. <laughs> Let's move on family policy, which is the heart of our politics. Progressives claim all over the world that families should not be protected. 
In Europe, they say there is no such thing as family because love is love and family is family. If you cannot define family, nothing is a family. And they say that Western families are the places that the oppression of the so-called patriarchy is. But in case of family policy, in Hungary, we again play by our own rules. We know that family is the place to transfer the values of parents to the next generation. If traditional families are gone, there is nothing that can save the best from going under. Therefore, last year in Hungary, we spent more than 6% of our GDP on family policy. All subsidies are already available families following conception. Families automatically get tax breaks. The state takes over your student loans after your third child. Women are exempt from paying personal income tax for life after the birth of their fourth child. I think we can zero tax policy for mothers with three children. So, if you are not married yet, you should immediately find a Hungarian wife. In the last 10 years, ladies and gentlemen, in the last 10 years, the number of marriages has doubled and the number of abortions has halved in Hungary. Dear friends, in Hungary, we had to build not just a physical wall on our borders, the financial wall around our family, but the legal wall around our children to protect them from the gender ideology that comes them. As we clearly see, that parents should follow the progressive way of parenting. If they refuse to do so, they should be forced by the state. We Hungarians know this old communist trick and we reject it. Hungarian people rejected sexual orientation programs in schools without parental consent at a referendum again. Never before has there been a referendum in the long history of Hungary where such a huge majority of people said no to gender or anything. Now the Hungarian constitution how the Hungarian constitution protects families and children. Let me quote a few sentences from our Hungarian fundamental law. Our constitution reads, the family and the nation constitute the principal framework of our coexistence. Hungarian state institutions are obliged to protect the Christian culture of Hungary. Hungary shall protect the institution of marriage as the union of one man and one woman. Family ties shall be based on marriage or the relationship between parents and children. To sum up, 
The mother is a woman, the father is a man, and leave our kids alone. Hungry anymore. Funny, isn't it? 
AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, broadcasting from CPAC 2022 here in Dallas, Texas. Yes, your fourth largest uh, state and a large Latino population as well. Well, we nobody can claim a larger Latino population than the good people of the state of New Mexico. And uh, I've got a fantastic guest here. And uh, it, the, the company is called Americano Media or Americano Media. And I met these wonderful people. Uh, they're by way of New York, Miami, and it's a brand new setup right there as you come into CPAC. You guys have some good real estate here at CPAC, yes, and sir. I'm here with the president and CEO of the company, Jorge L. Arizurieta. What a beautiful name, he, who has extensive experience in the business development and public affairs, and he's decided to start a media company to go ahead and start extending... I guess Latino voice to more conservatives. We're not getting enough coverage, Jorge. And uh, you're tackling a problem that we need. It seems like everybody here at CPAC 2022 wants to talk about uh, us Latinos. We've been <laughs> discovered. We have finally. <laughs> After all this said, we discovered America originally. Let, let's go back and to And then it. they forgot about us. And then and now and we're then, back. Hey, we, we count because we need to be here because our votes are finally counting. This is exciting. So what made you start uh, this company? I mean, I know why I would start one or why I'd get involved in radio. What, how did you get started in so the Eddie, media? Eddie, first and foremost, many thanks for giving us this opportunity Absolutely. to be here with you. It's, uh, it's exciting to be here at CPEG. It always is. And uh, just a little point of clarification. Sure. The president of the company, not the CEO. Okay. Our, our founder and CEO is a very dear friend of mine, Ivan Garcia Iago, who is actually who invited me to the dance. Okay. He, he and I started talking about this about two and a half years ago, and uh, he said, I really would love to, I have this dream, and I know I can't do it without you. And I said, well, that puts me in an interesting position, so we're going to go accomplish that dream. Yeah. I'm not going to be in the way of that. So the rest is history. And as you said, there's been a significant void forever in the Hispanic community right. as it relates to a conservative viewpoint, a conservative thought. You know, we have been totally ignored by the ways of, you know, Univision, Telemundo, CNN, and Espanol, for whatever reason, right. even though it's very well known and reported that the country is equally split down in the middle, give or take, depending on what poll you do or what survey you take. For some reason, these folks for decades have thought of ignoring that reality. Absolutely. And, and, and as you know, the years go by, especially the last two political cycles, it's very clear that Hispanics have naturally gravitated towards the conservative candidate. Now, you, you use the word naturally. Now, you and I understand that. Um, I think it's harder... Uh, with the way that we've been addressed, uh, co-opted, if you will. We've been co-opted as liberals. We've been co-opted because of culture. You know, uh, it seems like blacks want us. It seems like when it's convenient, white wants us. Uh, it seems like when it's convenient, it's Native American. Like, we get co-opted so often. Well, and, and, and the natural, you know, as you stated, you know, ascension, if you will, into families, history, culture, connection, who we are and what we're doing, I think just absolutely resonates with the conservative movement now. So, you know, we believe that it's not accidental that the Hispanic community, let's just take one example, sure. the state of Virginia. Okay. A year after the overwhelmingly elected Joe Biden, state of Virginia, because of the incremental Hispanic support 
for the Republican candidate for governor, the support for the lieutenant governor, a black lady from Jamaica, and the support for the attorney general, which is a Cuban-American young lawyer. Uh, they naturally gravitated towards these three conservative candidates. Right. I don't think it was accidental. It's because they identify with the issues. And what are the issues for the average Hispanic, as it turns out to be? And I go back to the co-opting that you're talking about, which right. is a very good point. Because I think without having had that happen, we would not be where we are today right. with regards to this reality. Yeah, this so. reality of being identified, re-encountered. We, we were like the soup de jour right. uh, for the political reality of the country. And there isn't a national story, there isn't a national press uh, person, story, TV, radio that doesn't cover this issue on a daily basis because it's hard to ignore it. But that's happened because the issues that Hispanics identify with are a strong economy. Yep. It's education. Why well, I think more properly work. Well, right? work. We we're working people. We're working people, and we're not looking for the handouts. Absolutely. And we've been coupled, as you said earlier. Why, why do you think so many people leave Venezuela, or why so many people leave Cuba? I mean, they lose their freedom. Yeah. Imagine that. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion about that. Are they really economic immigrants or are they really political refugees because they're being persecuted? Right. There's a fine line sometimes as they cross each other. But at the end of the day, it all starts because the form of government, a democratic environment, yep. was lost. And the freedoms were their loss, which is what happens immediately thereafter, as we see happen in all but two countries in Latin America today, which is really, really sad. The last one being Colombia. So it's the economy, it's education, it's their children's future. Now, most would say that those are the issues that the average American identifies with. Well, true. That's exactly what the average Hispanic American identifies with and the reason why they've gravitated towards conservative candidates. It's not that hard to figure out. And I can't say that the RNC and other Republican influencers haven't done their job. I think they've tried. But I think the ones we've had influence the electoral process in the last two cycles, for the most part, came on their own. We then decided if we've had this gravitation, we have to finally do what has been talked about for way too long. And I've been, in the, I've been involved in the political process my entire life. I mean, my entire life since I was 19 or whatever, whenever I graduated from high school. <laughs> and I've been hearing probably for a good 30 of those years, uh, maybe not, maybe 25, you know, just about the time that Fox News was started, yep. that we need to do something exactly the same for the Hispanic community. So here it is. Here we have a model very similar to the Fox model. Uh, initially, we were radio. We started with the Series XM channel, okay. channel 153. Okay. And then today, here at CPAC, this morning, we actually launched our streamed platform for TV. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yes, we, we, we Looking it, forward we did, to that. Thank you. We how, how, do we, uh, how do we get our listeners to download the app, or can we see it on Roku, Fire, Apple TV? You can see it specifically on those three. The rest of those platforms, but specifically Roku, Fire, and Apple TV, okay. Google as well. Yep. And our app is uh, Americanomedia.com. Yep. It's very simple, hard to miss. It's an A and an O. The logo's got an A and an O, and it's a blue a blue logo, blue and red, actually. And, uh, you know, you can hear us on SiriusXM. You can download the app. 
And through that app, you can listen and you can watch us on Stream TV. Tell us a little bit about the content you have, uh, who's on it, uh, personalities, uh, some of the segments that you have, maybe the news uh, uh, pieces that you guys put together. Tell us a little bit about your lineup. And so, what you so, so we're doing, and you appreciate this being a media, a yeah. media person, we're doing 18 hours of original content okay. every day. Wow, that's great. Uh, I can appreciate that. We that's do a lot of we hours. We do a lot, yeah, and you do a lot. That's, that's something. That's a, do- a lot of hours, and we're doing that every day. Every workday, Monday through Friday. Uh-huh. Actually, we do it on Saturdays and Sundays, not all 18. We do about four to five, depending on the the special programming we might have. And, you know, what we're doing with this is about five of, of those hours, Eddie, are usually uh, news-related programming. Okay. So, so the, as you want to know, you know how that works. You, you tell the news. You say you say. Uh, in, in, in an entertaining fashion, so you keep your listeners, and you do it. You got to keep them engaged. So you absolutely. lose their attention. You lose the. You the lose and I think that's an important uh, point that you raised because if it's not entertaining, it's not connecting. And connection is the most important piece in order to keep people uh, sort of inspired and driving that passion. We as Latinos understand that I think better than anybody. I, I think so. I, I think yeah. we have additional additional splice that we're yeah. got given that we, we certainly <laughs> take advantage of it. And telling stories. Sector. That's yeah, right. t- and telling stories. We're pretty good at that. But but you're absolutely right. It's a crucial part of the business, especially in today's world where there is so much competition. You know, the advent of technology has made it uh, relatively easy uh, for, the, for, for, for one to begin a radio station, maybe not as much a TV station, but actually technology compared to what it used to require 10 years ago makes right. it a lot easier. Yeah, you were today. just telling me about the way that we're set up. I mean, exactly. I think what, what your platform is able to go ahead and launch into every single home and anybody who is aware of Americano Media uh, can download the app. They can put it on their Roku and they can immediately get corrected uh, immediately. That's it. That's you, you don't get that, I think, at any other time. I mean, we're taking leaps uh, and, and you're just doing satellite radio. I think that yeah, that also yeah. is fantastic. So yeah, that, that no, is we, a story of and of itself. Yeah, we started satellite initially because we felt that the Series XM uh, platform was one that gave us credibility, gave us a national platform, mm-hmm. a lot easier to have a national footprint uh, than to buy individual terrestrial stations. You know about the terrestrial station right. business. That's yeah. your business. By the way, we're not saying that we're not going to be involved in that at all. We may end up doing that. We may end up doing some business. We would love to. Yeah. We'd love to talk about, obviously, <laughs> content. And yeah, so I think that tell, is. Selling you content. Yeah. We, we, well, just to give you an idea, I'm sure it doesn't surprise you. We obviously have to sell ad space to make a living here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but as you will know, Content is everything, mm-hmm. and the need for conservative quality content is ever, ever, ever more so there. Right, yeah. so we believe a big part of our opportunity for revenue is going to come from the distribution of our content, not just in the U.S. Uh, but across the Americas. Uh, we do everything in Spanish, and we've been very disciplined about it out of the gate, and we remain committed to that. And there's some thoughts. Maybe eventually we may have some hours where we, you know, maybe switch into English. But we want to be really exactly what the void is, which is a conservative, you know, Spanish-speaking uh, conservative opportunity platform for the uh, market. So we start mixing it up. We might confuse 
our message a little bit. You know, we want to be very clear and really intact about that out of the gate. Yeah. So, uh, so, so tell me, uh, Jorge, uh, by the way, we're with the president of Americano Media, uh, Jorge Azurieta. I want to make sure I got that. Awesome. Uh, get an A-plus for effort. Oh, and ex- thank you. And execution. <laughs> I appreciate that. So tell us about the growth model in educating you know, Spanish-speaking people on conservative values. I mean, naturally, they're already attracted to that. I mean, even if you think of telenovelas, right, the most popular medium and thing that people just start, they're so sticky, it's consistently family situations. And then I think even moreover, just like the prime minister of Hungary was saying, it's like the the fundamental political unit is the family, which is also very interesting. So how do you plan on, uh, how quickly do you think it's going to, you know, uh, ascend, uh, if you will, or grow it's a very, that's a very good point, Eddie. You know what's really at stake in these upcoming elections, uh, in my opinion, is really exactly what you just mentioned, which is the heart, the heartbeat of America, the core of American standards starts and ends with the family. Yep. And given the extremely left liberal policies that the Biden administration has, in short order, right. because it hasn't even been two years yet that they've been in office, they actually put on quick over, overdrive these extreme left commitments that he clearly must have with the progressives, as they like to call themselves. But they're not only in control of the party, they're in control of the White House. Right. Yep. And that is what's eaten away at these basic values that the average American, the average Hispanic American grows up with and obviously tries to execute on when they move to this country. And imagine now they get faced with this kind of craziness from the top. So it starts at, at home, and we believe we, we have to serve a purpose. What is that purpose? Our purpose is to educate the Hispanic yep. uh, American about, about the another option the besides the Democrat Party. Wow. Exactly. Imagine uh, that. Exactly. Uh, some of the options that, you know, and it, when it, it's interesting how they have historically been able to do what they've done when they've been, you know, not only, you know, discriminated against or having a conservative point of view, yes. but but not given any opportunity to even voice that, that opinion. Right. And we've noticed that here since we got into business in March. Yep. The amount of folks calling in and saying, this is incredible. I can get my news now and I can get informed because it's hard to find places where I can get the answers on some of the questions without their subjectivity. It's just incredible. We take some of this for granted. Sometimes a lot of folks who maybe don't have a lot of means and are they're really dependent on pretty basic stuff that maybe we take for granted, which is listening to someone on radio that might make sense. Right. Well, we now have that. So we had an interesting thing happen back home in Miami a couple of weeks ago, George Soros, who you know is a committed uh, oh, socialist, yeah. mm-hmm. and you know it's interesting. He's certainly a, a capitalist. He learned to love what's good about our country with regards to having the freedom to make a living, and uh, he certainly came from you know I forget which Eastern European country. I think it was Hungary. Hungary, who obviously has had its fair share of history where their freedoms have been lost, but anyway, he came here and the rest is history. He's been a very prolific investor mm-hmm. on very committed left initiatives. Yep. So he buys 16, sorry, 18 radio stations from Univision. One of them happens to be a very well-known, uh, long-standing. By the way, all this just took place. 
Yes. Yeah. Conservative station in Miami called Radio Mambi. It was the, the stalwart of the Cuban community forever. Very, very conservative uh, station. And the play was simply, clearly, unequivocally to shut it down. And what we did was we moved ahead of that process as much as we could, and we hired away the talent, which is very, very good talent. Okay. It's Nelson Rubio, Lourdes Rubieta, uh, Dani Alejandrino. Who, uh, and by the way, these are the strong, the Cuban-Americans uh, who have left, uh, and the, the Cubanos who have left. Um, they're some of the strongest Republicans I've ever met. Sure, sure, because they've been through the experience of losing their homeland. Right. It's now been 63 So you brought months. these guys over. We brought these guys to our network. And it's been a, a smashing success. When you talk about the lineup, those three I just mentioned, I'm sorry, not those three. Uh, one of those three is on that morning show, what we called Buenos Dias Americano, Good Morning American. Yeah, yeah. And Edson is the our director of news and actually the main, the main host of that show, along with two very, very good, uh, talented hosts, Gabi Pedroso and and uh, Yoli Cuello. And that show, in short order, has already been probably one of our top shows uh, just because of the strength of these hosts and the support that they already had and they brought over from that local station, which, which has permeated across the country. Very so quickly. the growth then can be explosive. The home finds a new home. Now it's not just on the radio actually doing one better. Now it's on Roku, Apple, uh, Amazon Fire. Right. Or, I mean, it's all right there where people can just click it right. and they can get it. And, and the radio will continue. It will be the audio of the TV okay. with the exception some additional programming that we will do along the way. Okay. So it's no different than some of the big well, thank boxes. Thank uh, for you guys and for what you guys have decided to do to keep it all together because uh, that man is an enemy of the state. Uh, I got to tell sure you. Is. It's, he, it's, gave it's, a, he gave us a huge opportunity and we took it. So. Yeah, I think that's uh, fantastic. That's I want to get plugged in. We want the people in New Mexico. And if you want to go ahead and communicate to some of these people uh, that, that are in our audience, feel free to speak in Spanish. Um, I myself, obviously, am Hispanic, but... You know, 56% of our audience in, in New Mexico is uh, Hispanic, and they want to connect to other people that they know, and they want to download your app, and they want to get connected and help build Americano Media. And then maybe we can get you guys launched on some of our uh, radio stations I in New Mexico. I would love to speak to you about that off the air. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, yeah, won't be, absolutely. It won't be on a show. It'll be a business meeting. I assure you. Well, you're a good businessman. Now, talk to our audience and tell them about Americano Media directly. So listen. Please uh, give us an opportunity, honor us with your support, download our app. You're going to listen to very, very strong, fine programming with a conservative point of view and a very serious commitment to provide the news to you, unedited, not subjective, just the way the news is, which, as we know, our country has a great sense of distrust for the media. The media, mainstream media, has earned that, rightfully so. So we have got to work hard to show that we can go back to basic core values where the media, you know, it wasn't too long ago, you probably remember, Eddie, where CNN happened to be the news. I remember CNN during the, during the uh, Middle East War. Yep. The world was tuned into CNN because of the quality you know, program they were providing. What happened to or, that? Or the whole thing about red and blue. Remember uh, Gore? Uh, uh, Bush in 2000, same thing. We were paying attention to CNN. And, and all of a sudden, all that went away. 20 years later, look yeah. how much the world has changed in 20 yeah, years. It's, it's, I think the same can be said for Americano Media. We can help you. 
And I can't wait for you guys uh, to go ahead and air in our market. And heck, they are airing our market. Check it out on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and Sirius XM 153. Jorge Azurieta, thank you so thank much, you much for being here. We appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. You have a wonderful staff, good people. Great and man. we share something in common. Uh, both of our children's name are Sebastian. Sebastian. There it is. We said it right. Those guys, <laughs> those guys are dangerous. <laughs> Back after a quick break uh, here in the Kiva, AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. All right, AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, I am Eddie Erg on the Talk, broadcasting from CPAC 2022, which, of course, is in Dallas, Texas. It's been a fascinating and interesting day with a number of guests, and I'm going to do all these interviews tomorrow as uh, well, but we're going to wrap things up with Mr. Robert Antonellis. This is his actual second time at CPAC. He's with Patriot to Patriot, and you can find him as pat2pat.net, P-A-T, the number two, P-A-T dot net, and he joins me live here in the Kiva. He asked me to uh, talk with him about Time to play the Trump card. Isn't that exactly what we should be doing? He's got a seven-point plan to restore Donald J. Trump in days, not years. Oh, if we could only get it done. Robert, you're saying that we can. There's a way to actually get it done. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing real well, thanks, Eddie. And there is a way to get it done. In fact, when I was here last year, it so infuriated the media. They were trying to frame us as nutcases. And they said, oh, there's a guy with a four-by-six postcard. And on one side of it, it says there's a seven-point cure to election racketeering in the Electoral College. And the fact of the matter is, it is, and it's still just as effective today at a time when we we need it more desperately than ever. And as a quick high-level overview, it has to do with Nancy Pelosi's Achilles heel, and it's not stock trading. It's not her husband drives drunk. How about scotch? I know that's her Achilles heel. Uh, (laughs) Her real Achilles heel is right there on a video I made right on the cover of a Save America card. And what it is, Jonestown genocide. They were doing psychological research for the modern day Democrat Party. Those were mostly black people that were murdered in Jonestown. So, once that's the first step is to reveal that, which I will be talking about that, how the... We're we're going back to the late, uh, like 1979? Are we talking about Jim Jones? Absolutely. Okay. Because he was San Francisco, and he created her, she created him, Willie Brown. So anyway... Um, really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I got to hear. This is fascinating. Okay, oh, so tell me tell startling. me about the connection between – we we might actually have to do a follow-up interview because this okay. could go a while. All right, so tell me about the connection between Jim Jones, Georgetown, Guyana, and Nancy Pelosi. Okay. Nancy Pelosi and a cluster of Democrats, as you know about, from California, Jerry Brown, Willie Brown is a big one. Yep. Uh, of course, uh, Willie Brown with uh, Kamala Harris. Well, see, that's a whole big story, bigger than you think. Okay. Uh, we we was... love stories here. In oh, the yeah. Well, yeah. I got All a right. story. Yeah, you've got a story. <laughs> it's already a hot start. <laughs> these people were planning horror, and it's a practice to teach black. They were doing research, psychological research in Jonestown. He was an expert in chimpanzee research. They were doing primate research 
teaching the young black children, two of three people murdered there were black, inculcating the black children to be to use primate behavior and to be loyal to their white master. And that is why Jonestown was called the Black Slave Plantation. And you may have heard more recently uh, that the Democrat Party is mm -hmm. called the Black Slave Plantation. And now, so it's kind of interesting, the connection with Kamala, Kamala Harris. Nobody yeah, likes, I, I nobody likes her. Nobody, yeah, nobody, nobody no one her. likes her a bit. Right. Nobody ever voted for where's the power structure? It's the third rail. See, the third rail, people know the third rail. They think, oh, when you touch the third rail, you get electrocuted. But not if you're the train. The train is powered by the third rail. One of the third rails in the dumb Democrat Party today is Jonestown. And I'll tell you, Willie Brown. This is just so fascinating. There's so many layers. To yeah, there, this Willie, is fascinating. So we're talking about Jim Jones, George, Jonestown. Then we're also talking about Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, could there be a more interesting way to wrap up the first day of CPAC? I don't uh, think this so. Is really, this is really Th this could This could put Trump in the White House. Okay. But so let me just talk about Willie Brown. Okay. Willie Brown, people go, oh, okay, he was the mayor of San Francisco. Yeah. But they don't know he was the seated assemblyman in Sacramento, the capital. At the time? No, no, for 20 years. For 20 years, okay. They don't, they don't know that. Why? Because for the four years leading up to Jonestown, guess who was the assemblyman for the People's Temple and Jim Jones? It was Willie Brown. So there's your, there's your energy source. You've done your research. Oh, oh boy. It's a lot bigger than this. <laughs> it keeps going. Okay, let's just talk about Nancy. Nancy and black genocide, okay? Okay. Nancy Pelosi's father, everybody goes, oh, yeah. yeah. He was the mayor of Baltimore. Yeah. And then you say, well, what about his? What about her older brother? I don't know. Well, her older brother was the mayor of Baltimore. Why don't they tell you that? Because he was the, multi he was the mayor of during the 1968 Baltimore race riots, the worst in the country. So he was the mayor. His job was to bring peace to the streets after the murder of Martin Luther King Jr. Yet his was by far the worst. And on, on the television, when you hear a, a left-winger talk about it, they talk about race, racial issues. The Republicans have a hard time with racial issues like the Baltimore race rights. They try to blame that on Republicans, but it's worse than just saying it's the Democrats. It's Nancy D'Alessandro. She's right at the heart of this stuff. That's her and, name. Yeah, that's her maiden name. Maiden name, okay. So she brought that to San Francisco. That's a whole other story that's fascinating. And I've got videos on that too. Um, <laughs> you're not going to believe it. Wait, where can we go to... You know, where can we go to find uh, uh, okay, some that's, of this stuff? Go to pa Patriots, plural, S-O-A-R dot com. Patriots Soar. Soar, yes. Dot com, okay. So two S's on that. And then... And you, and you put all of this info together? Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that and much more. You're not going to believe it. 
Yeah. Well, I don't believe it. That's why. I'm You'll like, be stunned. This is incredible. I would like you to do it, and I'd like to stay in touch and have more interviews. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, always interested to, to hear days. about this stuff. We, we still got plenty of time here. We got about another five minutes. But, okay. Um, well, let's just get to the seven-point plan, and then I'm going to take a look at your website, and then we'll continue to be in touch, and we got to find this out. So you have seven-point plan to uh, restore Donald Trump in days, not years. Number That's two correct. is... Witness a trusted conservative elected as Speaker of the House and finally reveal suppressed results of existing investigations into election racketeering. That seems That's very cool. involved. Well, it's very simple. Once Nancy is exposed, like we're doing right now. Yeah, this is... Because if this starts, this will start to echo, reverberate. You know, she'll get the call while she's on her trip. Nancy, Nancy, Jonestown's breaking. It's no joke. Get get home. Get home, Nancy. Get get away from Taiwan. Get away from Taiwan. Uh, Protect Robert your speakership. All of the CPAC is bringing you down. For a CPAC, okay. So well, uh, we certainly do want to bring her down during the midterms. That's well, for once sure. you, see, we can't wait that long because I really think uh, the midterms are tr- terribly stolen already by Joe Biden. Okay, that's a, that's another story. I think we need Trump right in the month of August. I, I know we do. And so once Nancy teeter-totters, she only had like a four-vote majority. Once she teeters-totters and it shows there's a black genocide yeah. problem going on, then you start asking people like, James Clyburn, could you please make a comment? And then if you remember the election of 2020, mm-hmm. he came to the aid of Joe Biden, even though Joe Biden seemed to talk on radio shows as though he was an absolute racist and James Clyburn didn't have a word to say for the uh, you know the African Black Americans that he supposedly represented. So it's almost like he drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, and he I see what you did there. Jim Jones drank the Kool. I see what you did there. He is loyal, you know, black skin man. He's black skin, but he's loyal to the white man. That's exactly what they perfected in Jonestown with Nancy and Joe Biden and others have brought it into the Democrat Party. So the, so the Wait, second, I got to stop you here. Uh, sure. it, generally, what's your reception when you um, when you drop the bomb, uh, so to speak, on them? When you when you get them to drink the Kool Aid? What 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 kind of reception do you receive? I'm well, curious. Who do you mean by that? Who do you mean by them? Anybody who's who's listening to you? I'm just. Well, when I talk about Nancy's problem, they are shocked, but they don't feel like that it's actionable by them. And see, that's. Right. An interesting segue into what I've done, because um, I had tremendous success, like I said, with the Trump card last year. But the conservative media was slow, except I will give kudos to Rachel Campos Duffy yeah. on Fox News, because okay. I came up. She like this? Well, she gave, she gave me a plug. Okay. Uh, that's a highlight of the year, which is New Year's Eve, the big special for Fox and Friends, who's uh, Will Kane, I think is his name. Rachel in the middle, uh, Pete Hegseth. So the debate was, what was the biggest discovery of 2021? And so Pete Hegseth says, Hunter's laptop. Laptop. Rachel says, the Trump card. And they all laughed. So oh, wow. she gave me a plug. And so that's what made me realize on New Year's morning, I have to make this a reality. And I also, because of her comment, I realize the the Hispanic, the Latino community is extremely important mm-hmm. in this getting this message out. So I have gone beyond, like you said, to make Pat 
2pat.net, which is actually a network marketing company. I'm launching it today. I've been working day and night, and I've got a host of products that are specifically for, for Spanish, including um, the Save America Now card. I have a Spanish version, and the membership card, the replicated web page that you get when you pay the $45 startup key. There's a Spanish version of that. I've got a host of products that I sell, including baby bibs that say Save America, but then there's a Spanish version of that and a lot of other things. So um, I'm really excited about the prospects with uh, the Latino community. Well, I got to tell you, Robert, this is a, a fantastic story. I think uh, people are going to be peaked and they're going to look at your website and the, uh, is it Patriots? The other Soar? one is Patriots Soar, S-O-A-R.com. So it's got two S's. Okay. And that right. one has a lot of videos. I even have a video. Oh, my gosh. The video of the San Francisco. So, so. The San, Hold on. I've got a, a massive research on 9-11. I left my flip charts upstairs. Yeah. But 9-11, I've got, I cracked it, okay? And I even show the Trans-America building in San Francisco transitioned America on 9-11-2001. You see the building. That's the One World Trade Center tower. If you notice, instead of it being two square towers, it's one. It's actually two of the Trans-America buildings smashed together, sort of like the Star of David. One from the top, one from the bottom. Anyway, that's kind of hard to explain on the radio. No, I, I got the visual. I've got a three-minute video on that. Yeah. You're going to be like, what? Nancy was moved to San Francisco to become the Wicked Witch of the West Coast in 1969. Not a joke. I'm not joking. I got to look at that's this. That's when is, they broke ground. Yeah, for me, for we want movie. everyone to go to your website. Are you going to be here at CPAC for the next few days? I will be here. You're enjoying yourself? I'm having a great time. And you're here as an attendee. As an attendee. Yeah, and uh, I got to say, I appreciate you, your time, uh, you getting my interest. And uh, I thought, hey, we got to hear... Everything. This truly is everything. Well, there's a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to believe it. It's a taste. It's a taste of everything. <laughs> there it's we enough. Is it, what's important is it's enough to get Trump in the White House in days, not years. So we yeah. could stave off war with China, war with Russia. We could secure That would be one hell of a magic trick. We well, it, it's, it. it's amazing what our founders gave us as a gift. We got to do that. Robert Antonellis, I really appreciate you, sir. Thanks for being here. Okay. Uh, he is the founder of P2P. And uh, I, I invite you uh, this evening, especially our dark side listeners, the people who listen to, of course, to Coast to Coast, and uh, obviously the people who listen to Clyde Lewis, you're going to enjoy uh, probably what you find there. A Patriot store. I'll see you bright and early tomorrow in the Kiva. I've got uh, the guy who did... The documentary, we're going to kick off the show tomorrow with the real story of J6 or January 6th. So we're going to get into that. Uh, now streaming on Epoch TV or EpicTV.com, E-P-O-C-H. So I want to make sure that we talk about that. We'll also be talking about Save Our States, Defending the Electoral College. I'll have uh, interviews as uh, some of our elected officials start making the rounds around here. Uh, their media and radio days are going to be tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, I believe we'll also have Ann Thornton, your lieutenant governor candidate, who is here, amongst a few others uh, who are here from the New Mexico delegation. And it's going to be a fun time. So thanks, everybody. certainly hope that you enjoyed today's broadcast from Dallas, Texas, at the Anatole 
Hotel, um, of course, a big conference uh, hotel that is here where all the wonderful conservatives have gathered and uh, looking forward to Saturday's opportunity as well as uh, 45. Donald Trump comes in to make his big speech. It's been a fantastic day. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow, 4 p.m. right here on AM 600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com.